0: What's up sifters it's game face episode 46 on sifted games back on our regular wednesday schedule after last week so matt somebody on twitter accused me last week of mm-hmm. well it didn't really accuse just suggested that perhaps we had pushed the show back a day because the penguins were playing <laughs> on a wednesday night well,
1: <laughs> no we pushed the show back because i had to go to a uh, a, a book reading of a uh, at a bookstore of one of my friends it was a yeah. uh, it was a big a big night for him and I wanted to support him so uh, we did it Thursday instead because that was Wednesday yeah so it's my much, fault it's not the Penguins as much,
0: as much as I love the Penguins I would not push a show to watch the Penguins no. play hockey <laughs> so nice try there but uh,
1: <laughs> he'd just have it on the tablet
0: yeah. <laughs> So, one thing I would say is we have a day less this week to get topics for the show. Mm-hmm. It's been a slow week in video games this week.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely holding its breath before the uh, release, I yeah, guess. Yeah, yeah,
0: I'm also wondering if it's going to stay... Well, first of all, there just weren't a lot of big releases this no. week. But I'm also wondering, too, if we're going to start seeing the lull, the calm before the storm here. Yeah, we're hitting
1: the pre-E3 period where we're going we're to be talking about two things. Uh, how there's nothing to talk about and... Is this leak real or not?
0: Yeah, <laughs> that, that's, <laughs> right. that's
1: going to be the next like three weeks. We've
0: been talking about leaks now for like two oh, months, yeah. man. They're coming out, but it, like you know, there were some like new games announced this week. And every time I see something like that, now I'm like, why would they announce that now instead of waiting for E3? I'm glad they do mm-hmm. because it gives us something to talk about. But
1: uh... I always assume it's either either you think that that particular product is going to be buried in the in the E3, you know. You know, which sound and fury, <laughs> or like you have a deeper look to show off for it at E3. Yeah, like you want you don't want to have to explain what it is. You want to be able to show people why it is. I guess yeah. at the time, you know, like a, a more in-depth you know playthrough, or you're going to be going around all the video casts with like you know a 15 minute demo or something like that. Which we started, by the way. I'm yeah. just saying, G4 <laughs> started that alive. Like, oh, we're going to show you a demo of the thing that's on the floor.
0: Oh, G4, you look, guys did it too. Look, like, G4. Created E3 coverage, modern yeah. E3 coverage. Like when we went on and did it with Spike, all we were doing was replicating what right. we had already. Learned well, because you
1: were G4. there when when we did our first live thing, 2005. Yeah. Like we all basically forged that yeah. in, in the <laughs> lobby of the of the convention center there when we weren't yeah. allowed to be on the floor.
0: And, and Jeff Keeley had his yeah. Jeff Keeley was was there involved. that year. Was involved.
1: Yeah. So yeah, he helped we, with all that. We was many 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 a planning meeting in that stupid conference room with Jeff and all those guys, yeah.
0: The problem with uh, game journalism in general is that you don't have a lot of flexibility in how you do things, because Mm -hmm. everything is kind of predetermined and pre-established. So, for instance, at E3, when we kind of establish how do you do live broadcast E3, the publishers all adapt to that, and they start creating their media plans around it, and they're like, Mm -hmm. okay, I have this developer for three hours on this day, and it takes approximately from the time we get to a stage, do the demo, wrap and get out, it mm. takes 45 minutes. And then they work out. But you had to
1: train them at, because they're like, why can't we just show up for 15 minutes, is right. because you have to show up, and we have to get the thing, we have to go through it, and we have to set it up. We have up. to we have set to up get, the game, and, and make sure it And you never know what's gonna go wrong. There was a whole period. Make sure period. Our
0: debug, like, is oh, yeah. flashed to the right version. There was a
1: whole period at one point we were doing a live live demo of Resident Evil 5. And it wouldn't work. It yeah. wouldn't work. It wouldn't work. Like twenty minutes of trying different debugs, different didn't work. And finally someone realized it was a PlayStation 3 disc. <laughs> <laughs> but look. But that's what happened. Like yeah. it's live TV. It's like it's like all it's all happening as this is happening. Everybody is like rushed yeah. and it's, it's really crazy. crazy
0: and like really simple things can throw a chink into the whole yeah. the whole thing. The so. most
1: common thing to say after like a demo happens, like is like we all look at each other behind the scenes, we all go do you think the viewers knew?
0: Yeah, <laughs> that, that it was like totally
1: fucking wrong. You know, like that we screwed everything up except yeah. what was on camera. Yeah, you know, it, it's and they it's don't crazy. usually notice. No, usually you don't unless you've like been there. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's it's crazy. And now everybody does it. And like on one hand, I'm like, we started that. On the other hand, I'm sort of like, man, everybody like took this really hard job on themselves, and they yeah. all go through that now. And like that's not an easy thing to pull off. And like a whole lot of outlets pull it off. A whole lot of like individual blogs pull it off
0: but i think that's because we did it for so long that the pr people know how to to deal with it and they build it into their plans during e3 and they schedule it with their developers they know that they're going to be doing it it's just it's turned into a machine now whereas before we were like the anomaly Mm. they'd be like what do you mean we can't come on your show unless we play the game live (laughs) like that was a (laughs) huge thing like they thought they could just come on and like Talk about their game for a little bit and then walk off. We're mm-hmm. like, no, like we Visual have dual com- medium. Well, there's competition for this yeah, as well. It's like if we true. have this other developer who's willing to come on and demo the game live for us, we're gonna give them precedent over you. Now, look, there's exceptions, of course. Right. You know, Naughty Dog shows up and they're like we don't have a build, but we want to talk about Uncharted 8 or whatever, like, you're going to get them on
1: there, but... We don't have anything to show, but if you'd like the Hauser brothers to discuss GTA 6,
0: like, yeah, they're going to get on You're going to let them on, yeah. There's definitely a pecking order involved. But uh, it has been interesting to watch, not even just E3 coverage, but Mm -hmm. just covering video games with video, how that has evolved over time. And, you know, not to toot our own horn or anything, but we created a lot of that at Tech TV, G4, and... It's great to see it kind of trickling down now. So anyway, off on a tangent as, Andy, we, as we often our, do our on old, Game Our Facebook. old
1: victories. <laughs> one day we'll tell the story of how we we spent years arguing that we should broadcast the press conferences and no one believed us. Yeah, exactly. No one wants to see that. It's boring.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Funny how that works. Mm. Anyway, I think it's time to get on with the show. We have managed to cobble together pretty good topics for today's show. Yeah, I
1: mean, there were a few like pretty hot things that happened. It just... Six of them was tough. Yeah, yeah.
0: (laughs) I don't know if we'll hit the three-hour mark in this show, but uh, I think we'll have a pretty good episode for you guys. So let's get to the big six. So you're all looking at that topic list right now. Yep. And I bet you're not at all surprised to see what the first topic is. So, So Matt, after three, four weeks of rumors, speculation, different leaks, I think we finally have it on Good Word that... The PlayStation 4K 4.5 Neo yeah. is officially coming, news officially broken by Giant Bomb, which mm-hmm. is rare for a Giant With, Bomb. With, like, full specs and everything. Well, like... yeah, apparently they got a hold of documentation for the whole thing, which is... Yeah,
1: not Giant Bomb's usual purview, but they uh, knocked this one out of the
0: park. And, and I'll tell you, like, as soon as I saw the story, the first thing I thought was, Jeff Gerstmann vetted this. And Mm. so I knew right away that it was good, or at least as good as something like that could be. Because I know for a fact that Jeff would not have run this story unless he put his editor through the ringer and knew, at least in his heart, 100% that it was legit. Which is why I trust that, Mm -hmm. ultimately, this is good information. Austin Walker, is that the guy who broke it? Great job Austin. Great work. This is the exact type of stuff I was talking about that I'd like to see more of in games journalism. Mm-hmm. People actually breaking stories and digging for news. So let's talk about it. Like in my head I've got like a picture of Austin Walker in like the the
1: press hat and everything like beating Patrick Klepek to the phone phone booth, you know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, you didn't explain the monitor. No, yeah, I did not actually. explain this
0: by the way. So the monitor behind me, and, uh, speaking of tangents. So the monitor that you see behind me. Today we're getting ready for the show and the computer just decided to update to Windows 10. Didn't yeah. ask me if I wanted to update it. There I was, was no, watching it. There like was he, no prompt, no anything we he were literally,
1: He literally clicked the, um, the little button on the back end that puts the, hey, we're streaming live thing up on sifted.net. And all of a sudden, it just went to the blue screen and said configuring to update to Windows 10. And yeah. we're like, um, Thanks, well, Microsoft. I...
0: Wow. So, yeah, at some point, I may actually sneak away from the desk while talking to set up the visuals on the PC. Or maybe you guys can just tell us in the chat. Yeah, let us know if it
1: finishes at some point, because we can't really see it.
0: Yeah, whenever it finishes up, just, like, put something in the chat to let me know. But that
1: happened, like, six minutes before we went live, so we're like, well... There's nothing we can (laughs) do. That's what's in the background
0: today. Yeah, so, anyway, just a little side note there. So, let's talk about... The PlayStation Mm. Neo. PlayStation is it PlayStation Neo or PlayStation 4 Neo? I would guess it's PlayStation 4 Neo. I would hope Um, that they but I've seen on the press all day today people just calling it PlayStation Neo. I mean it's a code name, it's just like
1: Morpheus. Someone's a Matrix fan. Apparently. Waiting to see what they call Trinity. Yeah. (laughs) Somebody on the the shifted comments were were saying it would be their new TV, the Trinity Tron. I'm like, that's good. (laughs) I like that. I saw someone else suggest that it would they'd call the new handheld Trinity, which is bad because Trinity dies.
0: Right, <laughs> that's probably what they call the Vita.
1: <laughs> oh,
0: maybe that was its code name.
1: Just <laughs> rebar right through that screen. They knew, it, yeah, they yeah. knew it
0: right away. Yeah,
1: yeah, but we kid Sony. We yeah, kid, Sony. we kid. Um, I mean, it looks, you know, kind of. It's it's not a huge leap. It's a good leap, but it's a little well, except. I mean, the RAM or the GPU like, gets a lot more, uh, a little more oomph, I think. But in general, it looks a little more like overclocking than, you know,
0: a new hardware set. Well, Digital Foundry did an analysis of it, and they basically what they said was it's going to be from, like, going to, like, medium settings to high settings on yeah. a PC, that kind of a jump. Which is
1: good. Yeah, that's like, noticeable. I'm wondering, like, I haven't really taken the temperature of kind of the general forum reaction or stuff like this. Like, if, I, I, is everyone excited to give Sony another 500 bucks for uh, you know, another PlayStation that they already bought a PlayStation. If someone's waiting on a PlayStation, is this more probably more expensive version going to be enticing to them? And like, you know, I'm wondering how. You know, to me, I'm looking at this. I'm just like, well, if you're not in love with Sony exclusives, this pretty much to me would push me to PC because like, if, long, if you're going to make me buy a new console every three years, then why why not just buy a new graphics card every three years?
0: Well, I can understand that because the parity between. Consoles and PC, that gap is closing, like, every day. Like, literally, you really are buying consoles now just for those exclusive games. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, Sony has some pretty awesome exclusive games coming. They do. I think what Sony is going to see is as this news permeates the mainstream, because right now it's really just otaku hardcores that know about it. After E3, when it's announced officially, and it starts making its way out into the masses... I think you're going to see a huge fall off of PlayStation 4 hardware being oh, for sold. Sure. because who would want to? I mean, a lot of it will depend on pricing. Look, if they drop the price of the original PlayStation 4 down to like. 200, 250, and then the new PlayStation 4, the Neo, is at that 400 price point. Mm. Then maybe not. I mean, that would be wise, I would think. But like, you know, I mean, the PlayStation 4 is still 350. Oh, yeah. It does come with pack-ins for that, but like. Yeah. So I guess look, best best case scenario for that is probably 299, and then the Neo 399. More, yeah. If they can get it in
1: under that, I mean, you're. I mean, I guess you're probably using the Neo more as like kind of a way to get your VR thing off the ground and a better. But that's the thing is like. They're, They're saying can, that's
0: not the case, by the way. The, they can say whatever not, they want. Right. Yeah. But, <laughs> like,
1: uh, we're not dumb. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, the 4K thing is interesting, but there's not enough 4K TV owners to really justify releasing an entirely new set of hardware for that. I don't know
0: anyone with a 4K TV. A couple um, people on Sifted have said they have them, but... I know.
1: I have I have a 4K monitor. I don't have a 4K TV. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, I won't get rid of that TV. No, I into... take that back. I do
0: have a cousin who has one, but it's, like, a small one.
1: Well, then, like, you never know what you're... Because, like... 4K is a very wide band yeah. in some cases. Like I know, like there was, you know, like Best Buy, I think was selling on Black Friday last year. They were selling like a 4K TV for like 300 bucks. But if you look at it, it was like the lowest possible resolution that could qualify for 4K. And it's also made by standards. some
0: like off-brand, probably. Right. And...
1: So like you know, if you're really talking about someone who has like a full-blown like you know top-quality 4K TV that this system would take advantage of, uh, I think you're talking about a very you know a, a, a slice. Of people like us, yeah, Uh, you know, hardcore people who would subscribe to Sift, people, hardcore people who care about the experience and care about getting the top quality, you know, experience out of their gaming or their movie watching.
0: Yeah, I'm guessing more than most other leagues, Sony is probably pretty devastated that this got out because it could have a huge effect on their bottom line. Like people now know that there's this better model coming for sure. Mm -hmm. What's the incentive to buy a PlayStation Four right now? Nothing. I mean, think about people who just bought one.
1: I mean, it would be like in the last month or two, right? Well, I mean, it would be different if you like, say, the PlayStation 4 was more like 200 or like 175 or something, and it was more of like a quick, you know, not a not a minor purchase, but a purchase that you could kind of get away with, is like, oh, I think I'll just pick up a PS4. But like 350 is a massive, is a major buy, and like, you know, it's not going to be that much different from, you know, at this point, I would guess like 50 bucks more will get you a Neo by the end of the year. So like I would feel pretty ripped off. If I, I mean, done look, that. they're
0: gonna have to. They're gonna have to get rid of that old inventory somehow. Yeah. Like so, they're gonna have to discount the old mm-hmm. PlayStation Four in some way, shape, or form because otherwise they're gonna have warehouses full of the old units.
1: Yeah. And the other thing I wonder is like, so like one of the advantages of the PSVR was cost, right? right? But let's say you have a PS4, which would be one of the main reasons you'd also buy a PSVR. And now you want a PS Neo to run the VR on a level that, like, you know, might, you know, compete with the, like, you've almost spent that Oculus standard $1,500 on your PlayStation setup now. Yeah. Um, Which, I mean, I'm not saying you have to buy the Neo to have a decent VR experience. I don't think that's necessarily the case, but it sure looks tempting if you're kind of riding that cutting edge and you want, you know... That's certainly why I bought a couple of graphics cards in my time. It's like, yeah. well, I like this game's great, but it could look a little better if I yeah. just put that much money. You know, and it's like that temptation is right there. And, I know, and the one thing that I, I think is kind of not disheartening, but sort of like like you know, very obviously a shift if this becomes something that sells well. Like console gaming used to be kind of free of that problem. Yeah. You know, you used to be able to buy the system and you were and good for the yeah, Like That was go. your baseline. That was, you know, this is like you know, my instinct is to look at this and be like, oh, Sega CD, here we go. You know, but what if this isn't the Sega CD? What if it works this time? You know? like
0: I think, you know, I think people, because of mobile phones, I think people are a lot more open-minded on upgrading their technology. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the difference here is you're not getting a subsidy. Right for I the mean, piece of hardware. Yeah, the
1: contract isn't getting you the pho- isn't getting you the phone for free in this case.
0: Well, you know, truth be told though, even in those deals, like you actually end up paying like more for the phone over the long haul right. than if you had just paid cash. But that's cash not for how it. we
1: perceive it right. as
0: a consumer, yeah. you know? Like it's it's it's
1: much easier to spread that across 2 years as opposed to demand it up front for the PlayStation Neo. And then I've I've also seen people that seem to think there's going to be some sort of like trade-in policy for Sony where like you send your old PlayStation 4 in and give them like a check for 100 bucks and they send you back a Neo that's and not like, happening." Uh, no. I, <laughs> I would love to visit Your timeline sir But I don't think That's happening in our world I don't so. know who came
0: up With that, that idea I've seen But that's that a a not places. happening like, It's
1: like, like Oh that would be really cool If they did that I'm like yes it would But it's not <laughs> It would be really cool If they sent us all Like teacup piglets but Or it's free not Playstation going to VRs Yeah like, Right You know Maybe maybe buying a Playstation VR Could just like you know Get you free VR for life From Sony That would be cool too yeah, It's like As long as we're making shit up But like <laughs> You know I I wonder how this Will be received You know Like so many people have bought PlayStation 4s and then to be told all of a sudden, it's like, oh, you have the, the old one now. Oh,
0: there are people pissed off on Sifted about it. I've seen tons of comments about it already. Mm-hmm. People that are like, wait, I just got this like two months ago. Like, I feel like I just got scammed. Yeah,
1: I feel like Sony is going to have to have some kind of, um, you know, like contingency plan or some kind of like incentive plan to sort of like make it up to recent PS4 purchase. I mean, I bought my PS4 at launch. I don't really... Yeah, I don't feel too. all that screwed, really.
0: Yeah, I've already, um, I've already got my money's worth yeah, I got out plenty of my PlayStation of 4.
1: Already. Yeah, but like to someone who bought it in the last six months, or like eight months, nine months, like, like yeah, I'd be furious. Yeah. Like,
0: I mean, come on. Like, I mean, look, one of the good things that, that was in the documentation was that, according to Sony, it's not going to allow games to not run well on right. the base system. And according to Giant Bomb, that's something that was listed over and over in the Mm. documentation: is the parity has to stay there with the old system. You can't sacrifice quality on the original system to make it. Yeah,
1: Yeah, I mean, certainly, it's there's definitely they're making an effort to make it so like you won't be playing the base system and be like, oh, if I had a a Neo, this would run so much better. Which it will. It it will maybe, or at least it'll look better. Yeah. Um, but like, I don't mean I don't know. For me, that would irritate the hell out of me. Uh, but I am a tech. You know, I want the best. You're an early you know, adopter. Yeah, yeah. I'm, an, and so like, but I want. I don't know how like you know your standard consumer. You know, the people who make the PlayStation for a multi-million seller. You know, not the not the core audience that we're. You know, we're not as many of us. Uh, I wonder like you know, your average guy or average girl who plays this system. Thinks I mean, you know, someone who just I picked up PlayStation Four because I want to play Bloodborne or I want to play like New Maddens or I want to play like what are those people going to think that all of a sudden there's this better one are they going to care I, my instinct is they probably won't that much but I, I don't know I don't know what that that consumer
0: thinks I don't know what the research is that's a question for Pactor maybe yeah I mean the other big question too is what is Sony counting on is it counting on people who already own a PlayStation Four to upgrade. Or is it assuming that they're not going to and they're just trying to reach out to new consumers with this new model?
1: I don't know. That's a really good question. I, I, that, my main question is that, like, is probably that, like, who is this for? Because, like, that's a lot to ask of your existing consumer base.
0: And I mean, look, they've already sold 40-some million worldwide. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of those original machines out there already. I mean, that's better. That's like four times the Wii U already. Yeah, like, That's nothing to scoff at. I mean, you know, Nintendo's getting some flack from Nintendo fans for killing the Wii U already, so... Mm
1: -hmm. And clearly they're not killing the PlayStation 4, but, like, they've certainly made that machine I paid for look less attractive all of a sudden through ways that I wouldn't have thought.
0: Well, they kind of subtly did that. Like, they released that new version that runs quieter and Mm. consumes less power. But, you know, the average person has no clue that that happened. Right. This is going to be highly public. Like, it'll probably Mm -hmm. be even though the noose is already broke it will probably still end up being one of the top 10 stories mm-hmm. of E3 this year
1: as i did like someone uh, i don't remember i think it was twitter or maybe something else where like they uh they said like oh i guess this is what they meant by greatness awaits yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good which
1: is and it's it, it's it's a hard this is a hard sell like this is a hard move and i'm interested i mean you're going to
0: upgrade though right you're going to get a neo probably i am if only
1: because like no Man's Sky. I'll probably run a lot better on it. You know, it's like I mean, really, I mean, really, that's what it comes down to. It's like you know, I I I am going to have a very hard time resisting the idea of playing Uncharted Four in Neo Mode. You know, like that's
0: for me. Anything
1: it's... else I can play on my PC, No yeah. Man's Sky as well, frankly. But like, yeah. but I, there's something about like being you know being able to play No Man's Sky like on PlayStation Four on my big TV with all that stuff is going to be cool. And like Uncharted 4 and all the Sony exclusives, like I'd love to see, you know, what that would look like even better. You know, yeah. what, I can't even imagine. I mean, I mean, maybe it won't have a Neo mode. I don't know because right. it's not it's being released before it's too, and that's a requirement. Yeah, too
0: early. But would it? But would watch you put it, what, what you're going you like, to start seeing. like no. What you're going to end up seeing is you're going to end up seeing like the Neo edition yeah. of games that have already come out for PlayStation 4, and hopefully. Or like pay like ten bucks to upgrade to the Neo edition. Hopefully, they have some program set up where if you already bought it for the base PlayStation Four, mm-hmm. you can pay ten bucks or five bucks or whatever, and I'd also buy the download the Neo version. Yeah,
1: I'd also buy the buy the Bloodborne version of that. Although yeah, I don't know how likely that would be. Yeah, um, I, w- I also would like to hear from developers on what they think. So
0: developers, so so Colin from Kind of Funny like railed on the PlayStation Neo, like, went off on it and said it was a terrible idea. The whole splitting the mm. user base thing that we've heard dozens, hundreds of times over the years, he kind of went off on that, that angle. And then I think he probably got a little pushback, maybe, from, like, Twitter users and whatnot, and then he tweeted out that he had talked to a couple developers who said that they are not down with it at all and think it's a terrible idea. Mm. Obviously, anecdotal evidence of the highest order. Um, you know, it's Pretty easy to pick and choose your quotes to back up your point if that's what you're out to do, and I'm not saying that that's what he did. But I mean, it's not
1: like they have to sell a different version of the game or anything, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, and look, for me, the one comforting thing is that Sony is looking out for its original customers and trying to mandate mm-hmm. that like, no the... extra unlockables, no extra bonus stuff. Like it's it's like it's just, it's just resolution, yeah. frame rate, whatever. Um, but you know what? They're saying like there won't be like Neo exclusive games. Do you believe that, Matt? Maybe for the first year. Yeah, I don't believe that at all. Like,
1: eventually you're going to hit a point where, like, you know, like, what if, okay, we're talking about, we're talking about crazy town here, but, like, what if, like, Star Citizen decides, oh, we could probably do a Neo version, but we can't do a base version. What do you say? And,
0: you know, if you're Sony, you probably say, okay. Yeah, because, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, there might be some PC games out there that the developers are like, I really Mm -hmm. don't feel like trying to make this work. On yeah. a lower power console. What, like
1: what if you hit a point where Call of Duty's like, well, you know, the multiplayer, you know, the difference in performance means that people playing on the base version have a distinct
0: disadvantage. I mean, look, I know you're just using that as an excuse, but specifically with Call of Duty, that will never happen. Probably like, not. Call of Duty is the king of lowest common denominator because mm-hmm. their audience is so massive. But a game like Star Citizen, right? I could see that being possible. Like that's a weird position Sony's going to be put in eventually. as these. Mm-hmm developers and publishers coming to them and being like look we know what your mandate is that like this needs to run on the base playstation 4 but we can't get it to run on the base playstation 4 we think we can get it to run on neo do you think sony's really going to say no we don't want that game on our platform i mean part of that i think depends on how
1: well the neo sells but like if you if they feel comfortable with how the neo user base is going like maybe maybe so you know i mean it's just, you know, it's not like, you know, Nintendo did the same thing with the new 3DS. There's games that only yeah. run on that, and they kind of stepped away from that after Xenoblade, but now you're seeing this thing where, like, you know, all I can think of when I, you know, I, and I know play, the PlayStation Neo documents, like, really seem to warn against this situation, but you keep thinking about Hyrule Warriors Legends. Yeah, where they like won't it won't run on the old I 3DS. mean, yes, it runs on the original 3DS, if but you it's count not like 12 frames per playable, <laughs> really. You know, it's like... And you know, and, and obviously the documents that with for, that were leaked with the Neo here, like say, you know, basically say like that situation is not acceptable. Like yeah. They're saying you're not allowed to do that. But you know, we've seen plenty of times in well, this industry it... and other industries that you start with these really rigid, you know, rules about that, and after a while you start to start, to, start to bend them a little bit because you got to get these higher level, you know, higher tech things out there.
0: Wasn't there some kind of a mandate where also PlayStation Four base games had to run at 1080p? Mm,
1: they don't. It... They don't now. So right. I mean, I, I don't... That's why
0: I was. I, I thought I found that curious. I was like, well, wait a minute. Like most PlayStation Four games aren't 1080p right now.
1: Yeah, I don't know how you would enforce that because they haven't even been able to do that yet now, let alone in the next few years. Yeah. So that's the know. other thing is I really don't feel like this generation has really gotten going fully yet. So like it's it's weird to me that all of a sudden there's this crazy new upgrade thing
0: is this happening again in three years if it works maybe. is this what it is now i hope and so. if that's the case maybe it is just called playstation neo yeah or what whatever final name they decide on mm-hmm. and that's just kind of the name for their console brand going forward playstation now or whatever PlayStation they call nowish it. yeah nowish <laughs> <laughs> But that's what I'm saying. Like, it could just become like they're going to become iterative. I mean, look, Apple kind of does that whole like mm-hmm. S, which is like the middle version right. of something. Like, we don't want
1: to use the new number, but maybe like,
0: the PlayStation. This is going to be called like the PlayStation 4S or something like mm-hmm. that. And then I they, think
1: Neo. I mean, maybe not Neo, but something to really differentiate it from. You know, I could see it. You know, what if this is the PlayStation 4 Neo, and then the next upgrade is the PlayStation 5, and it's a bigger mm-hmm. upgrade. Then they do a and they do PlayStation 5, 5 Neo, Neo, and that becomes kind of the the iterative standard from now on just like the numbered iphones with the s's yeah
0: i mean even with this new information my stance hasn't really changed on this hardware from when we were talking about it when it was just leaks Uh, i still don't see where it like it will split the user base because sony is mandating that Mm. all the games still have to run on the base model i mean sure you may get Frame rate envy or resolution envy, and wished that you could afford to buy the Neo or whatever. But the fact of the matter is, Mm. that console that you bought, and even if you just bought it last week, it's not like it's worthless. Like, it still plays every game that's ever released for the PlayStation 4. It will play everyone going forward, allegedly. Probably, yeah. Likely, maybe, possibly. Until. I mean, (laughs) it sucks. I would agree with anybody who's PlayStation annoying. 4, yeah. I wouldn't I would say be it's pissed the... off if it were me. I'd be really pissed off if it were me. And I wouldn't I get say it. it splits the user base though, yeah. Because yeah. you can
1: still play everything, you're just playing you know no more than having, you know, like a, a lesser video card splits the PC user base. You know? Yeah. But But it's just annoying because it's it's a new problem with console gaming you know we haven't really had this before yeah where it's like you know someone else who also has a playstation 4 might be playing a better looking version of the same game you have
0: yep and going back to what you were saying like i honestly want it more for playstation vr yeah
1: because
0: you know you know they're saying that's not what it's for but me personally like that's what i want it the most for because i am pretty much 80% convinced at this point that PlayStation VR is going to be the head mounted display. I think it's going to be the most popular. I think it's going to be the one that has the most content. Um, And it's, it like teeters on the power of the machine that it's running on. Like, Mm -hmm. I just don't feel like it's quite up to where it needs to be to be that compelling experience. So, maybe that's what they're banking on that like someone will
1: find the PlayStation VR to be a compelling experience to the point that upgrading it into a more Compelling experience with the Neo will be worth the amount of money they would. Spend. I mean, you're already in it for 400
0: on the headset. Yeah. So, and here's the other question: What about those bund- What about bundles now for PlayStation VR? Are those mm-hmm. bundles going to come with the Neo? Or are they going to come with the base place? I mean, I'm guessing it. They're going to bundle it with the Neo. I would
1: say Neo. I mean, yeah, you've got like a PlayStation. The PlayStation VR experience, basically. And so that 1, kind of acts bucks.
0: as a Trojan horse to get the Neo into homes. If mm-hmm. you're, if you can only buy bundles with the Neo and you can't buy it with the base machine, I mean, it would be dumb to sell bundles with the base machine yeah and then you Um, wonder too if like that extra which explains why there isn't one yeah as well yeah Yeah. and then you wonder if that extra little breakout box that comes with playstation vr if that technology will be built into the neo so you don't Mm -hmm. have that extra piece of hardware sitting next to your playstation 4 while you're or if
1: the neo was designed with that break breakout box in mind so that breakout box can do other more interesting things or you know i figure breakout box still Handles the the video signal stuff and that takes that off the Neo and that you know it's it's good to have that there I think yeah probably probably worth the same I would think um, just because it takes the burden off the system hardware itself um, I don't know I I I am very interested to see where it, where this goes and it's also it introduces a it does introduce a weird schism in this in the PlayStation user base that usually only exists between Owners of competing brand consoles Where like You you know The Playstation 4 owners Are usually pretty pleased That like They've got the better running version Of whatever multi-platform game Versus the Xbox One version Yeah And that's always been Kind of the console war ideal Is like Well on my system It runs better Right You know Yeah. And now You have that same divide Between You know Playstation 4 users Internally And you gotta wonder If like are you going to, you know, there was that, it, it reminds, it, I'm, I'm wondering if you're going to run into a kind of a, a split in the same way that you had like in the old days of PC gaming, like you had the high ping bastards and the low ping right. bastards yeah, and yeah, all Yeah, things. I forgot. You know, I, you know, I'm wondering if like you're going to hit H-P-B. a thing where like, where like, oh, you know, ban that guy, kick that guy because he's clearly on the Neo and he's got a better frame rate than us so he's winning. You know, that kind of thing. I wonder how that will become like an excuse.
0: Well, then you start talking about like advertising and marketing. I mean, you yeah. can pretty much guarantee every commercial for a PlayStation 4 game is going to show the Neo version running. I mean, you know, already Xbox One is looking a little rough around the edges compared to PlayStation 4. I mean, think about how bad it's going to get in like a year, a year and a half, when you're looking Mm -hmm. at that Neo footage versus Xbox One. We can look forward to
1: the Xbox Windows 10 edition. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Because you know that's coming. Oh, yeah. Especially if the Neo takes off. It also
0: makes me wonder if Microsoft maybe rethinks its strategy... Mm-hmm. There's rumors that came out yesterday that Microsoft is working on several iterations of yeah, Xbox I mean, I'm sure One. I am sure they're kicking tons
1: of ideas around in that.
0: It's just—it's interesting to me
1: that, like, especially compared to like what happened with Sony and Microsoft last generation, that Sony has turned things around so hard that, it can that do they're this. comfortable
0: trying to releasing a new it iteration of their own console. It feels like it can get away with this. Yeah, but look, I think it can, and it will. Yeah. Like, some, there's going to be some angry people that just bought their console in the last couple months, but look, the cat's out of the bag now. People, mm-hmm. now, if you buy a PlayStation 4, that's all on you, because you know another one's coming, so if you buy mm-hmm. one now, that's your own fault. And I think what they're banking on and what they'll probably pull off is the
1: idea that, like, okay, people like us who've been, fo- been playing game consoles forever, like, this is new, this is weird territory, this is, like, a crazy shift.
0: Unless you're a PC gamer.
1: Unless you're a PC gamer. Um but I'm also a PC gamer, and I still think this yeah. is a pretty wacky <laughs> ship. Yeah. But if you're more of a casual gamer who just sort of buys a console to play your games and you don't really care about that whole history and the whole thing, like, you're probably much more familiar with the mobile phone upgrade, the smartphone upgrade path. And you might not think of this as particularly weird. You yeah. oh, I guess PlayStation is kind of doing the same thing Apple and Android do. And that's just how it is. And, like, you just sort of accept it. Like, I, mean, I wonder I if that look, would be what they're banking on.
0: I don't look at the PC as, like, well, you have a much better rig than I do. So we're, like, we have separate platforms. Mm-hmm. Like, and I think people, console players, are going to have to adjust to that way of thinking. Mm-hmm. But if you've been playing PC all this time, it's nothing new. Like, no. I can still play pretty much all the same games that you do. My rig probably costs a fifth of what yours did. I can still play it. I wish I had your your PC so I could play <laughs> games on it instead of what I have. But it still looks pretty damn good, my PC, and it runs everything on almost on ultra with great frame rates and everything. So there's always going to be envy, mm. but I think ultimately the console. And look, a lot of people who have a PlayStation Four are PC gamers, and they're already there. They're already mm. there in that headspace.
1: And you know, I'll admit if I didn't have, uh, you know, if I didn't enjoy a lot of Sony's exclusive stuff, I probably wouldn't have one either.
0: Yeah. You but know, I think people will come around, and they'll get to a place. Eventually, all the people who are pissed off that they just got a PlayStation Four will get over it, and mm-hmm. they won't be the vocal minority anymore. And
1: if you're big on VR, I think like you know, this is where you're going. I mean, you can't be frugal with the VR stuff, folks. Yeah. Like it, it, like this is you're going to spend a lot of money for this new rev- little revolution in uh, in technology, and uh, that's just how it's going to be. And pick you know pick your pick your battle, obviously. But uh, I think if you're in hard for PlayStation VR, you are going to probably, you know, the Neo's probably already on your list.
0: Yeah. And uh, just speaking about VR, just briefly, we are talking about it before the show started, but VR is not off to a good start.
1: No. A lot of manufacturing problems.
0: Yeah. And in fact, some of the games are already dropping in price after it's been on the market for mm-hmm. two weeks because there's just no install base. There's no one to, yeah, because like, pe- tons of people have bought them, but they haven't gotten them yet. And so I wonder if that might poison the well for PlayStation VR as well, its release date nears. Is this bad news? I don't know about that, but like, out. I think
1: that's going to entirely depend on how many people who have pre-ordered the thing get it on the day it comes out. because yeah. that's the big thing. Is like people who ordered Oculuses and Vibes are like, well, I haven't gotten it. I just keep getting updates saying uh, two more months, two more months. You know, like, whereas like if, if Sony, you know, Sony has a lot of manufacturing muscle. If they can yeah. produce enough PSVRs to meet demand and if like you know well, as long as
0: the component manufacturers are right. able to feed them the components but sony
1: have. has those those channels so, you know sony is the only one of these 3 that is you know a hardware manufacturer yeah, Or has you know, been for, has long, been forever time, yeah. so like they know the pitfalls they know how to get this stuff done and so i'm wondering if like you know if sony ends up being the only one that can actually get these units in people's hands when they pay for them that might be a tremendous advantage in itself yeah yeah, I mean, I mean, inferior hardware or not inferior hardware, having the hardware is better than not having it. Hopefully Oculus and, and Vive have figured out their wrinkles by October. But like, you know, it's not, it's, it, they've lost a lot of goodwill so far from people who paid them a lot of money for these things.
0: Do you think we'll see games running on Neo at E3? I would hope so. I mean, like, I do think, you think Sony will put out its own comparison video showing like base PlayStation 4, PlayStation 4, Neo? Oh, well, I think so, yeah. yeah. I mean, what else can you do? Compete- it's like they're almost competing, competing with, with themselves. themselves. Yeah. <laughs> it's really crazy.
1: I mean, I figure you pick one or two specific games to
0: show, show that, and maybe I'm sure one of them will be one of the big VR games. Yeah. You know, like- I mean, look, they could have known about this all along. Like Uncharted, Naughty Dog could have known about this a year ago. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's why it was delayed. Like, you never know. I mean, a lot of these developers have worked on PC games. They know how to build engines that scale to better hardware. Mm-hmm. So it may not even be a case where they really need people to like retrofit games or anything like that. Like these games may just look better mm-hmm. and run better on Neo organically. And you got to wonder, like, okay, what if?
1: Um, so they let's say they lost the PS Five. The PS5 has a very similar architecture To what the PS4 and the PS4 Neo had Will you be able to buy upgrades Of PS4 titles that you own To play them on the Playstation 5 And look better
0: Or your Playstation 4 games just play on the Playstation 5 In an even higher resolution And better frame rate Yeah. Um, I mean it could just I mean there's no auto scaling They're creating backwards compatibility They're creating a PC with their name on it That's really all it is that's what consoles have become, a PC with a different brand with a brand name on it. And it does open the door. I mean, look. You don't have to create like special chips anymore to like make consoles work like backwards compatibility-wise. It's like they should just work yeah. now.
1: And the thing I keep thinking about with this is like, okay, so they're doing this. Microsoft clearly is kicking around the same kind of ideas. By the end of this year, the console space in that regard could look very, very different. Yeah. What if the NX doesn't realize that? Yeah. And once again, through no fault of their own, really, Nintendo's new system looks outdated already. Well,
0: it would be a fault of their own if they decided to be cheap with it and create True. this system. And the rumor is swirling right now is it's around the power of PlayStation 4. That's not good enough. <laughs> That's not good enough. It has to be easily... If it was good enough, Sony wouldn't be releasing another one. Exactly. Like, it needs to be better than that. And so, hopefully we'll be finding that it's It's crazy to think, in like a month and a half... All these questions that we've had for, mm-hmm. like, 10 or 11 months are going to be answered. Like, this is
1: going to be... Uh, all the
0: conjecture, all the leaks, all the rumors that we've been talking about, finally we're going to get answers of, for that in, mm-hmm. like, eight weeks. Yeah. Well, it going to be... Not like, even eight weeks.
1: Because last year's E3 was almost like a celebration. Like yeah. We got all these things we'd always wanted, and yeah. Sony delivered on Shenmue and Final Fantasy and all this stuff, and, like, in Last Guardian... Man, that'll probably look way better on the Neo. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, like, you know, it was, it was almost, like, last E3 was almost like a wish-fulfillment, like, right. train. Yeah. And, like, this year it's going to be, like, the ground's going to move. Like, like this is going to be, like, shockwaves, like, yeah. in some way. You know, there's, a lot of stuff's going to change here, I think. And Big
0: time changes. You,
1: it's, I think some some of us are going to sit back and have to think about, like, what we're going to do here in terms of where we're going to put our money, what we're going to put our uh, our faith in a little bit.
0: Yeah, I mean it'll be a big sell job for VR at E three this year too. Yeah, a
1: lot of, a lot of things. That's the thing is like Sony's got to sell VR. A lot of people got to sell VR, but Sony also has to sell VR. Sony has to sell this Neo thing. You know, yeah. to present this in a way that sells it. To, you know, Nintendo has to present the NX and sell it to us, and you know, whatever they've got. Microsoft
0: like, has to show us some damn games. Yeah. Microsoft <laughs> has to prove
1: to us that we should still have an Xbox, an Xbox. One. <laughs>
0: um,
1: there's a lot of proving oneself going to happen and going to have to happen, and if I don't know if it will happen because like you know, certainly we've seen people you know these companies drop the ball from now now and again, but like. A lot is on the line for this yeah, E3. It's like it's E3. it's huge. It's going to be a. I mean, a look, the, the console
0: deal. war is over. I mean, right. I mean, uh, the numbers came out. EA once again leaked out numbers again. He <laughs> loves doing that. It, it's the second time it's done it, where it's outed Microsoft's like hardware install base. <laughs> and its whole
1: and its response is like, "Oops." Yeah. <laughs> it's well, like, what the, are you the doing? first
0: time maybe that flies. The second time it doesn't. But basically, at this point, PlayStation Four has doubled Xbox One. Yep. Doubled. So, that it's over. It's yeah. game over. This is
1: PlayStation 2 all over again.
0: I mean, the truth of the matter is that, you know, if NX really makes a splash, it might be, like, NX versus Xbox Yeah, it one could be Sony for, like, versus the the Nintendo again. Yeah.
1: For the, you know, Microsoft might not even care. Yeah. Microsoft might be backing off this and waiting until, like, to see what happens here. And then they could, you know, you jump in later with another Xbox, which would be kind of more like a Steam Box thing. Yeah. But, like, I, I do have big question marks about where Microsoft intends to go now.
0: Well, I'll put it to you this way. The, the other day, my Xbox One wouldn't turn on. <laughs> and I fiddled with it for like two hours, couldn't get it to turn on. Because it happened once before and it was in the middle of like a firmware update because mm-hmm. it just does it on its own. And so I was petrified. I'm like, well, if it's in the middle of a firmware update and it shut down, like doing its thing, like if I pull the plug out, it could like brick my Xbox One. Right. So I let it sit there for like two hours after it wouldn't turn on. And I try to turn it on again. It wouldn't turn on. So I tear everything out of my entertainment center because, you know, it's wired in. My TV goes into it. Everything's connected to it because Microsoft told me to. And I tear everything out. I'm like, oh, crap, man. At least I can watch some 3D content again. Oh, That's man. nice. On a whim, I go over, plug in my Xbox One, the thing turns on. <laughs> and at that moment, I just thought about it. And I was like, that really sucks, yeah. one. Two, I'm pissed off that I was convinced to, like, wire my whole entertainment center around this thing. And I'm like, but three, I'm not really going to miss it.
1: No. Are you you not going to wire the DirecTV back through it, are you? I
0: might. I had an epiphany, though. I was like, I don't play games on this thing, like, hardly at all. Like, I had just played Quantum Break. Before that, I had played, like, Tomb Raider. Like it is turned into like a Nintendo console for me. Mm. Where I only use it to play exclusives and I don't play like any third party stuff on it. Like I just I play all my games on my PlayStation 4 now. That's oh. just the way it's become. And so one thing I would say is as soon as I unplug that Xbox One, the quality of my television picture improved immediately. Mm. Like people have argued with me about this. So, like it's not hurting their it is definitely compromising the signal of your television. Without a doubt, it was like night and day once I unplugged that thing and looked at my TV again. I was like, oh my gosh, like, now it looks 1080p instead of this weird place in between like 720 and 1080. So, to answer your question, like, I don't know if I'm going to plug it back in, maybe, like, send my TV through it. Like, it's, I do like... I don't like my TV through it. I, I do. I I've, always, I've had it that way since launch. I do like the ability, just like as I'm walking out the door to say Xbox turn off and it just turns it off and I don't have to fiddle around with remotes and it's nice that my wife can do that and not screw up everything because before this like she I have like literally on the back of our TV remotes I have keys (laughs) it says input one like direct TV input two PlayStation that's for her because she after years and years she still could not figure out how to turn everything on and off without screwing stuff up so when I would turn on the TV it'd just be like static I'd be like what did she do? (laughs) So I do like that part of it where she can just turn it on and off and it works for her and it doesn't screw me over when I go to turn it on later. But is it worth it, like, wiring it all together again? I don't know. We'll see. It's still... My Xbox One is still sitting on the kitchen table because I really have no use for it right now. So, yeah. E3 is going to be huge. Mm -hmm. It's going to be really huge. So I think that's pretty much all the information we have on Neo at this point. Yeah. I don't think we missed any...
1: I, I certainly believe this news, though. Oh, yeah. I, mean,
0: I definitely believe this news. Yeah, again, because I know Jeff Gersman, and I work right. with Jeff Gersman, and I know he's crazy aggro about stuff like this, and I know he would not have let Giant Bomb run this unless he felt 100% comfortable with it. And yeah. so...
1: That's why I felt comfortable commenting on it. I sent you a text. I'm like, "Hi, yeah. Neo? And yeah. you're like, what? And I'm like, Giant Bomb just reported that this... It's like... I knew I was pretty sure that wasn't like some kind of weird rumor yeah. bullshit thing because, I'm like, well, if Giant Bomb says that they yeah. must know something. Well, they never break anything. No.
0: And so, to break a big story like that, one, congratulations. But two, I know that they did their due, due diligence mm-hmm. and made sure it was legit. So, I'm sure we talk about Neo again. Oh yeah. This won't be the last time on Game Face, but that's pretty much all the facts. Maybe when a we price right shows now. up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Before we move on, what what do you guess for price?
1: Between 400 and 500. No, would, guess a price. I would hope 400. Four hundred. So three ninety nine, four hundred. I can't see you getting away with charging more than the original PlayStation Four price for it.
0: So I'm gonna go, and this is weird because you know usually consoles aren't priced this way. I'm gonna go with four forty nine ninety nine hmm. because I don't think Sony is. I don't think Sony's gonna want to drop the original PlayStation Four below three hundred bucks. I think they're gonna want to mm-hmm. keep it at two ninety nine, and I don't think that they would do that if the price is only 100 bucks more for a PlayStation Neo. I think it, Neo needs to be more than 100 more for them, if anything, to just clearly demonstrate the value of Neo over the original PlayStation 4. So I'm going to go with $449.99.
1: $449 US dollars.
0: Yep, we'll see. All right. But uh, it's time to move on to the next topic.
1: If so, they do that, I think that proves that they are not looking to get too many of people who, of us who already have a PlayStation Four to upgrade. Yeah. Because charging me four hundred dollars for the PlayStation Four at launch and then expecting me to pay more than that for the, the upgrade to be that that makes me go mm. Yeah. So,
0: we'll see. We'll see. Alright, so let's move on. So, like I said, there weren't a ton of stories this week, but one of the big stories was Insomniac just going buck wild. Like, it literally announced, like, three games in a day. Like, you know, announced two brand new games in a day while showing new footage for its indie game that it's working on and doing press tours for the Oculus game that it had already announced months ago. So, it got me thinking. One thing I would say about Insomniac, people always ask me, like, um, if you could work for any game developer, which game developer would you work for? And I've always said, one, that I only have a passing interest in making games. But two, if there was one developer that I would work for, if they offered me a job, it was Insomniac. And a big part of that, one, is that they make games that I really like. I'm a big fan mm-hmm. of platformers and the style of games that they make. Two, they make amazing games. So working there would be really, really prestigious and something you could be proud of. But three, the people there are freaking awesome. Mm-hmm. Like everybody that that I know that works at Insomniac are incredible mm-hmm. people.
1: Also it's continuously, Insomniac is continually rated like one of the top like places to work ten mid sized companies to work at in the entire country, over and over and over.
0: Also they're in LA, so if I were to yeah. work there I wouldn't have to relocate or anything.
1: And they're all I mean, visiting there is a, even just to do like press stuff is a pleasure yeah. all the time they have fresh muffins every morning. <laughs> I mean, it, I mean, it's I mean, they work really really hard over there, but like they take care of their people. And, and it, it's, see, here's it's the nice. thing. Like
0: Ted Price, the founder of Insomniac, is a great dude. Yeah. And you can see with companies like that, if you have the guy who founded the company he's a good person, it trickles down yeah. into the rest of the company. And, and so he's
1: done the work. Like that's the right. thing is like he, you know, when they they made their first game Disruptor, yep. and in order to get the code done, they didn't have any computers that could do it so ted wrote ted coded the the first build of disruptor on like graph paper and they trans p- coded that into the computer and that was the first like version of it they showed sony yeah and like that's crazy so he's the <laughs> but, man like I they, love they, ted. so so like the, you know the people who run this company like they've been in the trenches they've done that they've done the work they know what all the people that who are working for them are going through, and that shows, like I think, from top to bottom, at Insomniac.
0: Yeah, so I wanted to share my admiration for the company before I tear them down, because Uh-oh. that's basically what I'm going to do. I, I think Insomniac is going off in the wrong direction right now. Yeah. So let's talk first about Ratchet & Clank for the PlayStation 4. Um, amazing game. It looks great. It's reviewed really well. I, have, I still have no idea why they made this game. I mean, I know there's the movie. I think they
1: go with the movie. And they're
0: trying to do the movie type. But look, they could have made a new Ratchet and Clank game and released the movie and it still would have worked basically exactly the sort same.
1: Sort of, but I think they're also hoping for a lot of new fans to come in through the movie. And if you do that, you want them to kind of... Play this game as sort of the introduction to things. As
0: well. Why wouldn't you have them play this game as bleeding edge and has all your brand new ideas in it instead of this? Because
1: it does have a lot of their new ideas in it.
0: No, it doesn't. It doesn't have any new ideas in it. it it's like a it's like a potpourri of all the Ratchet games so mm. far. So it has the base story, levels, design of the original game, but then it has like weapons and power ups from the subsequent games. But it's not. There's nothing new in it. Per se.
1: Well, there's new planets, and there's there's a couple of, you know, there's, there's new scenes, you know, there, there is some new to it. It's it's obviously a remake, not a remaster.
0: Right, but it's not a game that they, if they just started a game from scratch, it's not up to scratch of what I believe, at least personally, that new game would be.
1: I guess as far as like a brand new Ratchet? Probably right.
0: not. And so, I feel like they've taken a half step there. They spent, I guarantee they spent not as much time as they would have if they built a game from scratch, obviously. They spent a significant amount of time working on this game. Mm. That's the first misstep that I have.
1: Second misstep. I don't think we know that's a misstep until we see how the movie does in conjunction with how the game does.
0: I don't know how much that's related, though. I,
1: I think that, you know. They
0: may get some royalties based on the
1: gate for the movie. Not royalties. I mean, ta- you're talking about mind share. You're talking about people, a lot more people, you know, potentially watch these movies than to play these games.
0: Do you think the Ratchet movie is going to do well? I have no idea. I would be surprised if it does really well.
1: We'll see. It's I mean, it's a CG movie with a lot of personality targeted at families, and those have a tendency to do well whether they're good or not. Yeah. So, you know, if it's marketed properly, maybe. I don't know what the secret to marketing... These because I you know I've seen trailers for those some of those CG movies and I'm just like that looks like complete garbage and they you know they're number one for three weeks in a row
0: I don't know what I don't know what the secret is I followed the well movie it's right. a babysitter I mean yeah. it's a some fun place to take your kids where they're gonna shut up for three hours yeah. and you can kick back and drink a soda and eat some popcorn and I
1: think I think Ratchet if you if you see a commercial for Ratchet that probably fits the bill well enough at least as well as any DreamWorks movie you could name yeah. Um, so maybe it will, you know, it doesn't have a whole lot of competition in that space uh, around its release date. So maybe, uh, maybe it will do okay. I mean, I don't know. I, c- CG movies are very hard for me to predict, and I followed the box office since I was a child. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. You know, I just have if a the, the Crude's can be a hit. This thing can be a hit.
0: I just have a problem seeing the big upside for this remake. I just. It's just, I think it's just maybe a
1: little conventional wisdom, maybe a little too conventional wisdom. It's like, hey, you got a big movie coming out based on your game property, make sure there's a game out there for them to buy. Make sure there's an action I mean, they're out doing what buy.
0: people have complained about for decades in this industry is having that like companion video yeah. game to go along with the movie.
1: But like, no one does that anymore. Yeah. It's all, it's all mobile games. Because
0: now. everybody complained. Yeah. Was, but because it was, were terrible. it was there
1: were low quality games, but right. like, you know, one of the most fondly remembered games of two generations ago is Spider-Man 2. Yeah. Because they actually had some ideas in there, they had some cool stuff in there. And if you're if you're assuming that one of the major you know purchasers of Ratchet this Ratchet game are going to be parents that took their kids to this movie, those kids have never played a Ratchet game before. Yeah. yeah, this is their introduction to this world. So, like, I think that is what they're thinking. I'm not saying it's a good idea. I'm not saying it's going to be a successful idea, but that is the thinking. I mean, you, they're let they're let not me... making this move out of like complete randomness.
0: Well, I, I didn't say that. So, what would you rather have? Would you rather have a new Ratchet and Clank game or Pie in the sky, completely brand new IP, or a remake of the first Ratchet game.
1: Hmm. Me personally, I would rather have a new Ratchet game, like a brand new Ratchet game. Um, but I understand why they're doing it this way, and I will play the remake as well. Like, I mean, I I I just like playing Ratchet.
0: Well, they're great games. They've all of them have been great. Yeah. So.
1: And I understand why they're why they're going with that. I hope it leads to more. Like, I hope we don't have to wait for another Ratchet movie to get another Ratchet game. Let's, be... let, me,
0: let me rephrase the question, then. Let me ask, if you were an investor in Insomniac, which would you ra- what would you rather have Insomniac do? Like, in this Let's situation? Let's say they were a publicly held company you're a stockholder. In this situation? Yeah. Would you, I would want
1: them to make a remake. The remake? Yeah. Why? Because that is what you want them to buy. Like, people don't want like, something that doesn't resemble what they just played or what they just saw. That's one of the reasons I think Mad Max didn't do as well, because it wasn't directly recognizable
0: as based on the Fury Road movie. I disagree with that. I don't I don't honestly do not see a huge part of the people who go to see the film. One, I don't see a lot of people going to see the film who haven't played the original Ratchet. I think... Most people who are going to see this film are people who are fans of Ratchet and Clank.
1: I think you're wrong. I think really, I think that most of the people who are going to see this movie are parents and their children, and those children have never played Ratchet and Clank.
0: I disagree with that. I think this is it's going to be a fan move. I think the fans. There and look, are not enough fans the of that has game. been around for there are 15 years now. Look, How long there aren't going
1: to uh, 2001.
0: I think 2002. Yeah, 15 years. I mean, you're talking about people who, when they first played Ratchet, they were five or six years old. Yeah. Now they're adults. People like us who were adults when it came out, and who are now older adults, yeah, much older adults. <laughs> yeah, Maso menos. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but that's not who these CG movies are made for, is what I'm saying. I go
0: see CG movies
1: sometimes. I do, but I'm not going to go to Toys R Us and look for the figures and see the and see the standee for the game and be like, "Oh, mom, get me that game," because that's the, like that's that's your audience. For so this you're thing. saying
0: that you think this remake will sell more than if they made a new Ratchet and Clank game.
1: I think that is the conventional marketing in like wisdom. I, I don't know if that's I completely disagree wrong. with
0: that. Completely. Well, I, do we know sales on this yet? No, it just came out. out. And it is a discounted title. It's 40 bucks, mm-hmm. I think. Um, so they're not going to generate as much reps. See, that's another thing. They had to sell it at $20 less, because it's a remake of an mm-hmm. old game. Whereas, if they had built a brand new game, it would be selling for $59.99. $20 per unit. But it if you sell cost a million units,
1: that's 20 more million dollars of profit. But it would have cost them more to make. So... That, that's, yeah, that's why you sell Not something less more. but if you know you're going to sell it for 20 bucks less you don't Throw that much budget at Like, they, they know what they're doing. They've done this forever. You know, they know how to... But that's a, what
0: I'm saying in this whole topic is I am starting to wonder if they do know what they're doing. That's the whole point of this. And this is just the first example of it.
1: In the in the case of the Ratchet thing, I think they know exactly what they're doing and they're doing the right thing in terms of, like, how they're trying to capitalize on their own property, their IP, being taken by Hollywood and turned into this movie.
0: Or they're being led by the nose by Hollywood. And this was all something that was pitched to them and they're like, that sounds like a good idea. Sure, that'll take us a year to develop the game. Possibly,
1: but I also, I'm, I'm tempted to give Ted Price more credit than that.
0: It's a big company now.
1: Yeah, but like...
0: It's I, not just Ted running everything anymore. No,
1: it's not, but I think if that was really something that he thought was going to damage Insomniac, he wouldn't
0: have allowed it to go through. Okay, so let's move on. Let's start talking about, so Insomniac has spread its wings a little bit. It released a mobile game. I can't remember the name of it. It came out four months ago.
1: Well, it's was, it was not their first one. What was, what was that other one they made, like in like 2012? You remember that? I don't remember. It was it. like it was like a tablet game, or it was like a, like a web browser game kind of thing. No, I don't remember it. Yeah, it was like it was it was it's it had a kind of a uh, Skylanders like like look to it. Like you, it was like you came in and you like. It was kind of like. I, I Maybe got, someone
0: in chat will remember. Someone in
1: chat I sure will. Because I remember them coming around and demoing it. And I was like, this is weird for that. Like, you know, it didn't seem like their kind of thing. They've, they've spent, you know, because that's why I think this is interesting that you're choosing this as a topic. Because I think Insomniac has sort of been casting around for a new identity for a while now yeah. uh, especially after resistance clearly wasn't going to become a staple well, of, after sunset you know, overdrive tanks. and sunset overdrive yeah which i love i love yeah. it's a great great we've game we've talked I, about it a lot of
0: times on the show it's a great game but, but
1: like you're they're still kind of looking for what they're going to do other than ratchet you know
0: Oh well, yeah they tried resistance failed. they tried fuse which we talked about oh, last God, week fuse. which was terrible yeah. Well, not terrible, but just by their standards, it was terrible. Yeah. So anyway, they've the web game you talked about, which I don't even remember. They put out their first Outer Knots. That's what it was. They put out their first mobile game like four, four or five months ago, and that I think part of the proceeds for that was going to charity or something like that, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. But it didn't do well, and it didn't review well. I think the last time I looked at its aggregate, it was at like a three point something or a four out of ten or something like that. Um, and look, I talked to Ted Price at E3 last year and I invited him to come check out Sifted and his, his only comment he gave me about Sifted was that there's not enough mobile game coverage. Hmm. And that struck me as very odd. I was like, Ted Price? You care about mobile that much? Because, you know, no one on Sifted cares about mobile. Like, we, we can look at everybody's Sift ratings. We have like a grid that shows the site-wide Sift ratings that everybody has set. And mobile is literally like the lowest rated thing on the whole site. Like, lower than, like, music and rhythm and, like, party games. Like, uh, Welcome to Windows 10, by the way. Oh, look. There it is. <laughs> so so they dipped their toe into mobile. It didn't go exceptionally well. Um, and then the next game we hear about is this game called Song of the Deep, which is, like, this indie side-scrolling Metroidvania-type game, which... If you know Insomniac, I totally get it. They are mm. all old school gamers. They're they love old Nintendo games. They're big fans of Nintendo's old platformers. Um, I can understand why this might be a passion project for them. Um, I'm not particularly excited for the game. I mean, in in this day and age of indie games, where you have developers who are putting all their resources towards games like this and coming up with an amazing results. I feel like a lot of times when bigger studios try to do games like this, they end up being a little lesser than the indie guys who are doing it around the clock mm. all the time. It could be great. It could be the best quote-unquote indie game of the year. Um, but I would say right now, you know, just looking at the game, it doesn't look to have anything especially exceptional about it. No. I mean, but... it's... Little side-scrolling shooter.
1: It kind of, de- I guess, it kind of depends on like what their expectations for it are. You know, if you if...
0: well, I don't think that they think they're going to make a hundred million dollars right. off of it or anything. But like, you know, but what's the point, though? What is the point of making this game? To have something to do. I don't know. They like... don't need something. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. Like, I don't understand why they're making this game. I don't know either. Game. It could be amazing.
1: Maybe no one's willing to kind of, you know, after Sunset Overdrive and Fuse, maybe they're having trouble getting, you know interest from the publishers with for you know something on that level of budget.
0: Because a lot of people don't that could be. I mean a lot of people don't realize. A lot of people thought that Insomniac was like a part of Sony. Like it never yeah. ha- it never has been. No. Like it just had a very comfortable relationship with Sony where it was I'm assuming, and I don't know this for a fact, but I'm assuming subsidizing all the games. And I would paying think. for Probably paying for the whole damn thing.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, Sony, I think, owns uh, the rights to some of those IPs.
0: As as it should, if it funded the development of them, it makes sense. It's like
1: Bloodborne.
0: Or just like if you do, like, like, I know the GT guys. Like, they can't take their show names away from Defy. Like, generally how it Mm -hmm. works when you work in a creative marketplace is if you create something while you're working for someone else and being paid by somebody else, they own whatever you created. And so it makes sense that Sony would retain the rights to Ratchet and... Anything else that Insomniac made for them, Resistance, Um, but to me, I just don't understand what the. It's almost like it's a pet project for Insomniac, like Song of the Deep. It's like we see all these guys doing this
1: stuff, and like maybe it's like a go back to basics sort of thing. You know, like like, okay, well, Fuse and Sunset Overdrive was great, but nobody bought it. You know, kind of let's pull it back. Let's you know come back to like you know what we love about games, what we what we grew up doing, what we think is like you know the core of how we do things, and like maybe that's this this stuff is what they came up with. You know, maybe it's a it's a hey let's like strip it down to you know what really matters to us, and that you know with not with uh, Insomniac, I would think that would be you know gameplay and design and look. You know, like even I mean you I can if you tell me that's an Insomniac game we're looking at right now, I believe you because it's got that certain. You know, it's got color, it's got movement, it's very kinetic, it's, you know, I, I get it. If
0: somebody told you that, you'd believe it, but would you would guess that it? just watching it? Well, no, no because
1: I, ins- I associate with Insomniac with Ratchet and Clank and Resistance. Yeah. Like, I think they're looking a little bit for an identity
0: here. Okay, so that was red flag number two. I don't want to spend like an hour on this topic, mm. although I could t- I'm really passionate about Insomniac. I probably could talk an hour about it, but we need, we need to keep moving along. So that was kind of red flag number two. Uh, red flag number three for me was Edge of Nowhere, and so this Ed, is it the mountain climbing
1: this, or mount, there? It's
0: like the Sherpa, Sherpa. action adventure <laughs> Sherpa for Simulator Twenty Sixteen. Yeah. yeah, but this well, this is actually this uh, this wasn't really a red flag for me because this is the part they of Insomniac's
1: flags to mark the path. Yeah, you, know? I mean, I mean, you could really you could make a nice turn of phrase with that one
0: because to me this actually kind of speaks to Insomniac's DNA because it. Pushes technological boundaries. Like their mm. programmer who built their engines, like basically ended up building all the engines for all PlayStation exclusives for the PlayStation 3 era. Well, it's Mark Cerny, who now is like a big wig at Sony and he's mm. like working in the technology department, but he's the one who helped build all the engines and in Insomniac. Made so a snack. Yeah, oh, yeah, exactly. Maybe I shouldn't have brought him up after all, but. So I got it. When I first saw that they were doing a game for Oculus, I was like, that makes sense. Like, they love pushing the boundaries. They like working on new platforms and new hardware. They love pushing paradigms, finding what's capable, what's possible out of pieces of hardware. There, This is like their VR pet project that they're going to do for Oculus. And I assume that, you know, it's probably partially funded by Oculus, blah, blah, blah. I was cool with it. I was also cool with the fact that Insomniac was trying to make a more traditional looking game work in VR and they're really great at gameplay so I had a lot of faith that they'd be able to do that like that's the one thing you can never say about Insomniac is that one of its games does not play well like their games always play exceptionally and so I was really excited about it so then comes this week and so this week they put out a bunch of new press for this game for Edge of Nowhere they put out a bunch of new press for Song of the Deep but they also announced two brand new games. The first game that they announced was called Feral Rights, and I'm still not 100% certain what Feral Rights is. It's kind of like this brawler fighting game for Oculus, <laughs> exclusively for Oculus, coming out in Q4. Um, it looks like a really weird game. You know, Insomniac's never really made like a fighting game before. I mean, obviously they have some experience with hand-to-hand mm-hmm. combat and melee. Working on the Ratchet series, but it's never really made like a fighter or a brawler before. So, one, I thought the genre was kind of curious, but what really shocked me was that it is an Oculus exclusive. And, like, the next, I see this, and then literally, like, three hours later, the first story breaks about Job Simulator for Vive getting a price cut after two weeks. Permanent, by the way. The developers are like, this is permanent. And so I I realized, I'm like, yeah, there's no installed base for these head-mounted displays at all. Now, granted, this game is coming end of the year. There should be a bigger installed base there. But I still found it to be a curious choice. Because, look, the way I look at it is, like, every game that it's making for anything is time taken away that they could be doing something else. Like, Song of the Deep, same way. Like a mobile game, same way. Sure, they may have a separate mobile team there, but... All those people have value. They're all talented. They all could be pitching in on working on other games. It's not like they have to work on a mobile game. Like, those people could work on other games and make new IP or whatever, or make a new Ratchet instead of a remake or whatever. So it's just human equity that's being spent someplace else when it could be spent on something at least I personally would much rather see. And so on the same day, they also announced another brand-new exclusive game for Oculus, and it's called The Unspoken. and. This game actually kind of reminds me. Remember that demo that they did for PlayStation VR on stage that completely just crapped out and failed, where like they were just standing and like firing like discs oh, at the each Tron other.
1: thing. Yeah.
0: This game is actually a, looks a little bit like that. It's kind of like a, a magic dueling game set hmm. in what I can what appears to be modern day. Uh, it's called Urban Fantasy. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever it's called. Again, another Oculus exclusive game. So, right now, we're staring at, okay, what are Insomniac's next three games? All three of them are Oculus-exclusive games. Mm. It it, it appears... Well, somebody's got to go in hard on this VR stuff, right? It it appears that Insomniac has turned into a second-party developer for Oculus? Hmm. Well, it's not like they were, like, cranking the hits out for the last,
1: like, five or six years, really. I mean... Ratchet sells okay, but it doesn't, like, sell, keep the studio afloat with three separate teams okay, you know? Like, I can see how they'd be casting around to try to figure out what their next big thing is. And, you know, mobile games, there might be a revenue stream there that's useful to them. So, no wonder they're more interested, they're interested in that side of things. The Oculus, like, look, Edge of Nowhere looks pretty damn cool to me. And also, the other thing about all three of these games, uh, none of them looks particularly impossible to port to non-Oculus platforms if they just don't work well these games are built for vr sure like but
0: they're like, not except for maybe edge of nowhere
1: yeah but like feral rights like looking you know some kind of fighting i mean obviously it depends how much like motion control stuff you're dealing with but like
0: but if they're designed with vr that means most of it's going to be in a first person perspective maybe that
1: changes that, a lot uh, the unspoken for sure feral, feral rights i guess we'll see um but you know, again there's no reason you can't pull the camera back to third person rework it release it on a platform and traditional. Here, here's the
0: problem with that Matt those games are being published by Oculus Studios oh well then that's fine for who
1: if, if Oculus is funding them helping funding them for I me mean, that's that's where you make your money I mean you get paid to do a job
0: I get that but I'm saying as someone who likes Insomniac's games this is a bad move like I want to play what I would consider more traditional insomniac games, and I don't want to have to play them in VR, I guess is what I'm getting at. Well,
1: a lot of their... And I also
0: feel like this is, I mean, sure, they're getting some of of it funded by Oculus, maybe all of it, who knows, but to me... Oculus can
1: afford it, that's for sure.
0: To me, that is like it's the road to ruin, I guess is the way I'm looking at it. Like, sure, you're going to turn a profit and your employees have jobs and there's revenue coming in and you can afford to satisfy your payroll... But is that the smart long-term play for a studio like Insomniac? Or is it to... Well, then what is? Further develop the IP that you established and create some new IP that you own. That's how you make your money. That's how you become is there room the next for, Blizzard. Is there
1: room for that in the, in the market right now? Because, like... What was the last game that Insomniac made that was like a burn the charts up AAA hit?
0: I don't know if they've ever had one to be honest. Exactly. But they've had hits like almost every game they sure. made. Sure, I mean has the Ratchet,
1: hit. or especially the early Ratchet games, and I would say Tools of Destruction sold very well for a PlayStation Three game at the time. Um, but they're not like you know they're not a top tier sales. It's hard to that... know how
0: Resistance would have done on when if it was open to. I mean that's the other thing too. Is it like? Well, I
1: think that was what the, the point of Fuse was. Was to find that out, you know. That was kind of like the extension of the resistance thing into like a, a more supposedly a more fertile market, but no one cared.
0: Yeah, but that game was just low quality. I mean, if you look at its aggregate scores mm-hmm. I think it ended up in a six range or something like that, I mm-hmm. may be wrong, but I, I I know it did not review exceptionally well. And so you, but here's the thing: it's like there's no, we don't think that they have any mega hits, but they've always released all their games for one platform, always, mm-hmm. even with Sunset Overdrive. And now they're doing it again with Oculus. Usually, two multiplayer, right? But that was also like probably the worst game, Insomniac, ever released. Mm-hmm. So I don't know that we know what the sales potential could be of Insomniac IP unless it's able to release it on multiple platforms. Mm. And so all I'm saying is that this is a studio that I have a lot of reverence for and I admire as just as a company, and I admire the products that it's put out. And its uh, stance on high quality and its attention to detail and the polish it puts on its games and the corporate culture it has and the way it interacts with the press. I love everything about Insomniac. And so it's hard for me, at least in my opinion, to see it going down a path that I don't think is a good one.
1: Well, like, I'm not saying I would prefer to play these VR games than like a standard, you know, AAA Insomniac release. But I think we have to remember that they're basically guns for hire, uh, like any you know. But that's what they've turned
0: into, though—is a gun for hire instead of being their own master. You just kind of got to the root of my whole point. But I think that oh, they're turning they, into like a freelancer. But, when they've they be a <laughs> but they've always been They should be a staff employee. But
1: they've always been that—is what I'm saying. Like yeah. And like, what if what if Edge you know what if Edge of Nowhere is really good? It could be. They, like, all what, these
0: games could be great. Like,
1: what if they become the AAA developer? of the oculus i think
0: that's what they are
1: they already are well i mean from a from a pedigree point of view sure but what if they become to oculus users what they were to playstation 2 users i mean you know? what do you
0: think best case scenario is for install base for oculus a year from now i have no idea not even a wild guess i i don't know best i really scenario. don't i mean i would best say case
1: scenario 6.5 billion but really like, that's yeah, not
0: realistic because
1: every human being on the planet buys one that's the best case scenario A realistic best case scenario? I really don't know. I I, I don't know what the demand for this is. I would say
0: 5 million, best case scenario, a year from now. If there are 5 million, Mm -hmm. I think that's even like aiming for the stars. A million
1: a year, considering how many they can produce? Yeah, that's pretty optimistic.
0: Right. So, really, it's really best case scenario is probably 2 million. And then you start talking about, okay, what's going to be the attach rate for your games to that 2 million install base? I mean, a good hard game, to, a really good game say. is 10% typically. Yeah,
1: but it's also hard to say because like, you know, look at these games and it's like these are some of the few VR games they've shown that I would call actual games. Right. So if you're actually looking to play a game and not a toy, which was one of the problems with the Connect and other things like it, like you're going to gravitate to these Insomniac games. So I would imagine that as long as the games are good, their attach rate will be higher than average. Um, simply because of Insomniac's Insomniac quality.
0: Well, a lot of it's going to depend on competition. You know, or yeah. is there is there a killer app already? That Somewhat, but again, if, like, if
1: Oculus is publishing these things, they're going to get a prominent you know a prominent place in the Oculus store or whatever they're sure. going to be using yeah. and all that stuff. So I'm sure it won't be that hard to discover them. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it, if it didn't make financial sense for them, I assume they wouldn't be doing it. I mean, we don't know what else they're doing as well. Yeah. Um. I mean, you you are looking at that's a point stretching
0: pretty thin. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, we've been there. Point, we know how big the studio. Right, is. Right. At that
1: point, you're looking at like, well, that's a lot of bandwidth that you're 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 spread across. Yeah. Um. And I don't think they, I don't think they have their North Carolina studio anymore, do they? I
0: don't know actually.
1: Didn't they, did, did they it close? I don't remember. They made Fuse. I thought. Yeah. I thought that I think was, they did. They shut that down or maybe, something. Maybe so. <laughs> I don't remember. I'm not. I'm. I don't know one way or the other. Uh. But I thought I remembered hearing that. But like, yeah. I don't. I don't know how many teams they have. I don't know what kind of bandwidth they have, um, but you know somebody's somebody's got to make this VR stuff. Somebody's got you gotta start somewhere, and this seems like a pretty low risk way to do it. If I just wish it was somebody point. else. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, but like you know, they're not making everything for us. They're trying to they're trying to figure out you know and, and you know it could be very advantageous for a company like Insomniac to kind of be the first penguin uh, in the VR water in terms of being a AAA console developer that figures out. How to do this you know maybe your sales are going to be through the roof but you are going to be a dependable source of software for people who know the vr scene and they're going to recommend you to the people who then come into the vr scene and say what should i get like you should get this insomniac game because they're great at it you know i think that's what they're trying to build on same way they were building with outer knots and on the facebook platform and same way they're building on their mobile things like they're trying to be the higher quality mobile developer, the higher quality Facebook developer. Well, I
0: don't know if I'd agree with that, but...
1: Um, Well, I mean, that's what they're trying to be. I don't know (laughs) if that's what they're going to succeed at doing. Yeah. But, like, you know, that is where Insomniac's advantage comes in, is their talent and their ability to be, like, where you play this, and you're like, wow, this feels better than a lot of the other stuff I play.
0: All I can say is I hope at E3 they show a new game that I'm really interested in. Because right now, I mean, I don't have an Oculus, and I'm probably speaking for... 90% 90% of the people on Sifted, who also don't have Oculus, mm-hmm. and speaking for you, who also doesn't have Oculus, mm-hmm. I mean, right now, the stuff that they're making, I couldn't even play if I wanted to. Yeah. So, to me, that's disheartening, and I also think that it's, you know, they're cutting off a huge fan base that they've spent decades building by cordoning all their games off to this platform that nobody owns. I just, I just think it's a bad move. And again, this is coming from a place of love. I love Insomniac and I just want them to succeed and excel and become one of the mm. premier developers in the industry because I mean, you kind of look at it like not long ago, most people would have said Insomniac was the better developer, but if you mm. look at them and Naughty Dog now, I don't think anybody would say that. And
1: we don't have a lot of stuff to compare anymore, you know? Like I mean, that's one of the reasons I do want to play that Ratchet and Clank uh, uh, remake is because been a long time since I played an, uh, an Insomniac game
0: yeah. yeah well you just played Sunset Overdrive and
1: yeah but that was like two years ago
0: yeah it so has been a while now what have you been doing all this time this, <laughs> working on these VR games I mean this
1: VR stuff I'm sure takes a lot of prototyping yeah, and a lot sure. of practice I mean it's a totally new way to make a game frankly and you know Insomniac is not half-ass anything when it comes to that's you know they're not gonna just, gonna just make like a standard you know survival horror game and put it on a mountain and say that's our VR game you know like, they're gonna Dig into it and figure it out yeah. So I mean I have faith that they're gonna You know maybe maybe these, these games they're making Might be what makes uh, an Oculus Rift Worth owning for me uh, I mean I don't disagree that I wish I was You know I wish I owned some platforms I knew some more Insomniac games were coming for But like I also don't, you know, I also kind of trust their judgment in terms of like where they think they need to go and if this is what they think they need to try right now, and or maybe if they thought like this is going to be a lucrative deal because Oculus wants to give us a lot of money to make these titles, like I can't begrudge them for that as a business. Like I don't disagree with you. It's like I wish there was more like you know standard AAA stuff, but after being burned by Sunset Overdrive and Fuse, I can understand why they'd feel like they need to kind of make some kind of pivot.
0: Or they should just make better games.
1: We can't make a better game than Sunset Overdrive. Well, like. you definitely can, but Well, you can. But like, that, <laughs> that is that is my favorite Xbox One game of the generation so far, for whatever that's worth. <laughs> yeah,
0: again, um,
1: but I no, I would put that in my top five of the gen so far easily. I love yeah. Sunset Overdrive. I don't I go that far. But it, but it didn't. Really. But it didn't help, did it?
0: Like no one cared. I could have told him it was going to sell poorly.
1: Yeah, I, I kind of thought so too.
0: <laughs> I don't know necessarily
1: why. Probably because you look at it and you don't. You can't get how good it is from just sort of seeing it you know and it, and the, just the
0: look of it just the whole like dude bro angle it had like which
1: isn't really in the actual it's game itself it's how they itself. marketed it's it it's like yeah. the marketing kind of made it out to be something else. Uh, because I remember, because like, <laughs> well, I remember playing it uh, early uh, for review stuff, and I was uh, not looking forward to it. I was just yeah. like, "Oh man, I don't want to deal with it." But I, w- I loved every second of yeah, it. I was game like, game. Oh, like after like ten minutes, I'm like, "This is not the game that those previews show. This is not. Yeah. There's no like douche bro walking through like making fun <laughs> of Call of Duty and like jumping, you know, being too super extreme and stuff. Like it was very self-aware, very funny. And once you got the air dash, it played like a dream. Like yeah. it was great.
0: All right, we've got to move on. I think I spent too much time on it. Again, this is coming from a place of love. I love Insomniac. Ted, if you're watching this, love you guys, but just got to call it how I see it. So, right, let's move on. We're going to Put talk... let us overdrive on PC. <laughs> yeah, probably a smart move. Yeah. Easy to port. Get a little more money out of that project. Well, I might upgrade to Windows 10 for that. <laughs> all right, next we're going to talk about what everyone is... Or a person everyone is pretty much calling a jerk this week. <laughs> He's probably public enemy number one in the gaming industry this week his name is alex st john he is one of the co-creators of DirectX, which is no small feat i might add
1: well until he burned out and got fired right for being put through exactly what he criticized people for complaining about this week
0: yeah so this week this guy is a veteran game developer again he helped co-create direct x that's a big freaking deal and uh, this week he came out, and he started a studio. What was this, Wild Tangent? Is Wild that the name Tangent. Of the
1: studio? You, you may know it from thousands and thousands of uh, adware and
0: malware games that have ended up on your PC over the years. Yeah. So he, he's he been in the industry a long time. Oh, yeah. And he's been plugging along with his little studio. He's never really has had like a huge smash hit, but they keep putting out games, mm-hmm. and they're still around. I think he sold Wild Tangent a few years oh, ago. Oh, he did? Yeah. I wasn't aware of that. So... He comes out and he writes this piece. Was it for Venture Beat? I believe it was. Sure. I think it was Venture Beat. So he wrote an op ed basically talking about how video game developers need to stop crying. I mean, like, I'm totally paraphrasing here. Mm. <laughs> they need to stop crying about 80 hour work weeks and crunch and suck it up and love it. Because if you realize they...
1: they're lucky to have a job at all.
0: Yeah, and because if they're not willing to do it, there's a hundred people standing in line behind them waiting to do it. Matt, how do you feel about this?
1: Um, well, anything I can say is going to be redundant if you just watched the Jimquisition this week because he summed that one up very well. Um, but it's incredibly stupid. It's it's one of the most like weird, self-absorbed, unrealistic like things i've ever seen on uh, in terms of like commentary on the industry because like look like people are people like you're you know and the idea that you're supposed to like like grind these men and women uh actually probably just men because he doesn't seem to think women can code um you're supposed to grind these people uh so hard they work 80 hours and thank you for the privilege like you're not going to get good work out of people that are exhausted like that And the man himself, like Alex Saint John himself, like burned himself out working on the DirectX project, and eventually Microsoft fired him, like because he was useless to them at that point. So like I don't know, I don't know where. I guess he he had enough Microsoft stock after that that he you know he was plenty well off, but like I don't know how he goes through that and comes out the other end thinking that everyone should kill themselves on a sacrificial platform for him. Uh, regardless, you know, and, and like he makes fun of people for wanting to have like a work-life balance, and and claims that someone who wants to get paid for their work is is suffering from a wage slave attitude. And I'm like, where do you think people are going to buy their food so they don't die if you don't pay them properly? Like, and I just don't, you know. And so far, I, you know, through the, you look back at Wild Tangent and you know what the the company he ran, I'm like, I don't see a lot of product coming out of that that company that makes me think that it justifies that kind of philosophy
0: i'm curious too if his developers are crunching does he crunch his developers it
1: sounds like they crunch all the time uh, if if by his philosophy i mean there was a there was a facebook post from him which may have been like a joke or something but i don't know i can't tell this guy is so close to self-parody that like i mean i mean reading his stuff is like reading something written by the boss from dilbert like it's it's crazy and it's a it's a photo and a email like an email from like internal at Wild Tangent I guess where it says like hey you know hey some of you people are like getting sick and like you know you know disappearing for days because you got sick and so I just want to show you this you know this you know if you if you like first off he says like if you happen to fall like deathly ill through like and he says it, I don't remember the phrasing but it's like through like your own weakness of spirit. Like basically like if you get like horribly ill, it's your own fault for like being weak. And he says, you know, remember, here's an example of one of the other employees and it's this guy in a hospital bed with a laptop and like a breathing mask. And he's like, you know, he went in for he's his coding. he went in for his appendectomy <laughs> and got no anesthetic, uh, you know, was not put out for the operation so he could continue to be on on the, his phone and his laptop so he wouldn't be out of communication all day. And I'm like, are you are you kidding? Is that real? Like, and then, then the guy who the guy who it was, I guess, said it was a real thing. The Facebook post does exist from like 2008 or 2009. Um, but um, my point is, that's crazy.
0: Yeah. But see, here's the thing, Matt is like and I'm not taking this guy's side, don't get me wrong, but I do play Devil's Advocate sometime on the show, and I'm going to do that a little bit here, is sometimes you have to protect people from themselves because people who are good at making games generally are obsessed with making games, and they want to work the crazy hours. And look, I can speak for myself. I've been crunching on Sifted for like, 18 months now. Like, if you're talking about, like, dedicating that many hours per week or whatever to something that you're working on, like, I've been doing it for, like, 18 months. And, like, it'll kill you. It's killing me. Like, I've put on, like, 20 pounds since I started working on Sifted. Like, that's the bottom line. Like, all I do is sit in front of a computer and type. And for me, it's my wife who is the cop. She's the one who's like, yo, bro. Like, You've got no life right now. Like you we haven't gone out and done X, Y, and Z in like three months. We haven't gone and done this in forever. Like you're locked working like all the time. I feel like if I get time from you, it's like you're making an exception for it. Like you need somebody to be there to kind of tell you that you need to dial it back. Because otherwise, if you're really into something, you're just gonna do it. And you're gonna do it for the amount of time. So in some ways I kind of see his point in that if you wanna have be a good developer, like that's kind of how it works. Like you work crazy hours for a few months when you finish up your project. Now there's no excuse at all for someone doing this at a studio like around the clock. And the other part of it, too, is that, like... Which is what he's talking about. He's talking about, like, you should expect to work 80 hours a week... Right, if, you're, ...if you're a
1: software developer a software programmer, right. period. Which is completely and insane. And claims that it's impossible to get tired or burnt out by, quote, pushing a mouse around. That making <laughs> video games isn't real work. That kind of thing. And also, and the other, course, the other big difference between someone who's doing that at, like, a major, you know, com- uh, company... ...and, say, what you're doing with Sifted is that if Sifted does well, takes off, explodes, you know, does... Something, you directly reap the benefits exactly, of that. Yeah. Whereas some difference. guy who's a code monkey at, you know, Microsoft doesn't get anything out of that. Except, although it probably benefits his bosses yeah, to get I some mean, bonuses for that. they get a
0: bonus, they get a raise or whatever. But yeah, it's, it's way different. Owning your own company right. versus working for somebody else. But like, job. yeah,
1: I mean, I, I certainly, I mean, sure, We even in TV, you know, you, you're you talking about, you know, 12, 14, 15, 16 hour days sometimes. Yeah. But you have to balance that. Like, you know, you have to, you know, yeah, you, maybe you're going to work 18 hours that day that big shoot day or that big you know in crunch you know that's the equivalent of crunch in production, yeah. you know, deep video production basically. But like that doesn't mean you keep everyone there that same amount of hours in pre-production or right. in post. Like you don't do I mean and that's you know, I mean that's what overtime, you know, is there to protect you against is like usually the idea being you're not gonna want to pay these employees time and a half or double time and you'd rather just let them go home and have lives. Um, but sometimes it doesn't apply. And, like, you know, this guy doesn't seem to think it applies. Uh, I don't know what his philosophy necessarily is on paying these people what, you know, they're legally required to be paid. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he it does. It depends on what
0: state they're in.
1: Right. I don't know what Washington's rules on that are. Um, but at some a certain point, you think it would be cheaper just to hire double the number of people.
0: Yeah, instead of paying the overtime. <laughs> instead of paying but everybody, they, you know. But then you have to find people who are as good as the people Yeah.
1: Well, and then if you read his, like, explanations of how to find good people, those are almost as offensive as anything. He's talking about seek out people with Asperger's syndrome because they're crazy and, like, they don't pass interviews. So yeah, they, he, all the good people aren't taken up yet. So you can, like, basically, like... I mean, he actually uses the word kidnap.
0: I know, Like, yeah. it's crazy. It's, like, I mean, he is nuts. There's no doubt oh, yeah. about it.
1: And, like, yeah, and... I mean, I don't think a whole lot of people are taking this guy's... I mean, this is, like... I mean, he writes like a supervillain. I mean, he does. <laughs> it's, it's, it's,
0: it's, <laughs> like no. I mean, there are companies, you know. I wonder how much of this too is just him trying to maybe drum up interest in his studio
1: or. Well, I think he does like some kind of like consulting thing for them. It sounds like he's one of those guys that does like you know seminars on how to be an effective you know leader of a company or whatever, and he's got all Imagine these crazy if he was your slides. Boss. Oh man! Like, I, can't, I... I wonder how many
0: people working at his studio right now are like trying to get the hell out of there. I don't know. After I'm, seeing his perspective on
1: them, basically. Oh, the ins- I mean, the instant I got a whiff of any of that, I'd be the end of that. Oh uh, no, it, you know. But but he also treats it as like you know, if you don't like it, then just get out and get another job. And it's like it's just not that simple, especially yeah. now, especially in this in this job market right now for any tech thing. Like it's you, tough. finding another job is very hard for anybody. And like yeah. the idea that like it's like oh well you know that's what he means like you know there's a hundred people waiting to take your place. But just because there's 100 people waiting to take your place doesn't mean you should give up your humanity. Right. Or your li- I mean, you still got to live. You still got to, you know. Hard to live st- if you're not
0: making money. Yeah, but you still got to be <laughs> sane.
1: You know, like. Being crazy and burnt out and, like, you know, you don't even know where you are is no way to live either.
0: Yeah. No, you're right.
1: And that's going to, you know, and he, you know, constantly talks about, like, oh, the wife or the girlfriend being the thing that holds the coder back. because That's what I was back. talking about.
0: My wife exactly. does that to me, yeah.
1: Because they want them to remain human. Yeah. They want them to remember that there's other things outside of work. And that's, you know, it's, it's that classic, like, you know, work to live mentality. Yeah. Which is uh, unhealthy.
0: It is unhealthy. Without and a I'm
1: certainly. I know, we've we've been together on some of those war zones where we had to work ridiculous hours and get all that stuff done and get. But we you know we were working towards an end goal. Yeah. You know we had a project to finish. We had a. a well, show I mean, to developers
0: do. are doing that too. They're finishing their. But game that's not
1: what this guy's talking about. You know, he's talking about like this is just how it should work. You know, like it's, he's not talking about like, oh you need to, you need to work you know, a few 80 hour weeks you know, at the end of a project like we'll just suck it up and do it, it's like look that sucks and you shouldn't have to end up in that situation but I have ended up in that situation and indeed sucked it up and did it and you know that's just how it is, that's part of being in an industry that you love doing but at the same time if you're talking about like that's just how it should always work and there are rumors about some developers that like are like that that it's like just crunch time 52 weeks a year, yeah. like that's wrong.
0: Let me ask you a question, Matt. What do you think is the better situation? Having your employees engaged on that level on a project where they're working 80 hours a week and they're completely obsessed with it, or having somebody instead who works 40 hours a week and is only maybe moderately engaged in the project?
1: Um, Well, it depends what good means, I guess. Um i think it's better for the maybe for the product to have people who are you know invested and interested um but i just i think that's kind of a false metric where like you don't need to have them working that much you know especially if they're a passionate group of people is going to get stuff done on a more timely basis from from my experience you know like if as long as you're not wasting time you've got people that really care about what the end product is you're going to end up uh, with people that get their stuff done in a timely and efficient manner. That's certainly how it's my experience has been when it comes to production. Is like, It's like, you know, sometimes you're like, oh, well, you know, well, if things were like, oh, well, you're, you guys are leaving already? Like, how, it's like, well, yeah, we did the next two days worth of work because we're so fired up we got this much done. And, like, I think that's a much healthier situation. So my solution to that would be like, yeah, I'd rather not have the 40-hour-a-week guy, um, you know, who wasn't, doesn't really care about the situation or the product, but I would just get rid of him and go find someone who's passionate who doesn't, like, demand to work 80 hours a week. I don't think... It's not hard to get people to not work 80 hours a week, I think. I think a Well, no, definitely not.
0: I think but do you think the guy who works the 80 hours a week and hasn't quit is probably really down on the project and is probably, like, one of your better employees? No,
1: I think no. he might be that, but he also might be someone who's terrified to not have a job. He might be someone who's terrified to buck the trend and say that, like, I need time to myself, but he's afraid he'll get replaced by some other, because they, because believe me, those employees know that there's a hundred people waiting for their position too, Yeah, you know, like, like, you can't really tell, especially if you're in a position of power, you can't really tell if that person is, is breaking their back because they believe in the thing, or if, or if they're, or if they're afraid that they're going to starve and be on the street, you know, or if
0: they're just slow, that too, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I mean, so that's what i found I mean, days it, like that too yeah I, mean, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I found that too like you know as a manager of people like everybody's different like some mm-hmm. people are amazing like they just work crazy hours and are crazy productive some people work crazy hours because if they only work eight hours they can't get the work done if they need to get it done mm-hmm. and so they just have to spend the extra hours because they don't work as fast and aren't as productive in the amount mm-hmm. of time that they're at work
1: there was sometimes when you know because uh, sometimes you have that culture where it's like, well, if you're not in by this time, you know, it's like, that's not okay. You know? But I work much better, uh, you know, in a quieter, more like kind of evening setting. If I'm working on my own from home, I do most of my work at night. Yeah. Um, so there were times when I would, you know, kind of do what I, you know, kind of watchdog the area, you know, in a, in a corporate environment or an office environment. And, I, you know, after everybody went home around 5 p.m., that's when I get all my stuff done. Because it was just easier for me to work really fast and hard at that point. And as long as there wasn't anything else anybody else needed during that day, I would do, like, tomorrow's work then, basically.
0: Do game developers need a union at this point? I, I really feel like they need I one. think probably so. Yeah. I think it, it's, it's... Why has nobody stood up and done this yet? Like, the IGDA kind of acts as, like... The game developers, like, union rep. Yeah, like, no one cares. They don't do anything. No. The IGDA is, is just talks. They don't actually do anything. Like, and no one, it doesn't really seem like anyone really cares what they talk about either. Like, it, I feel like for things to get to a place where all these talented people have a balance of their re, the real life and their jobs, a union's probably going to have to get involved.
1: hmm At the very least, so, you know, okay, maybe you still have to do some of this crazy crunch time stuff, but you're going to have to pay these people for it. Like, that's the, I mean, that's probably the way you you solve the crunch problem, is you make, you make it a financial penalty to the company to have to do that, and they will figure it out, so they don't have to pay that money. But see,
0: what the company does is that they just put everybody on salary, instead of making them hourly. Mm -hmm. and That's how you get around it. It's how, you know. But
1: then that's like, you know, that's not how unions work.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's how Viacom... You know managed to make gt a success and we were competing with Gamespot and igm with like six guys like Mm -hmm. our editorial team was six their editorial team was like 50 but we were like nipping at their heels Mm -hmm. and that's because all my guys were on salary they all loved their jobs i didn't never tell them like how many hours Mm -hmm. to work but they worked 78 or 80 hours a week
1: well that i mean that's part of the issue is like you know and i remember when we would do uh stuff for X-Play, and it was, like, irritating as hell for us. Th- those of us who are salaried, like, we'd have all... The, you know, some of these shoots would go super long, especially some of the more ambitious episodes or, like, the E3 stuff, and, like, you know, the, the hourly employees had to go home, at, you know, at, like, this certain time, or we would have to pay them overtime, and, like, you know, we would lose half of our workforce. Well,
0: you start to figure out after a while, if you're in a situation where you have a foot-in-the-door job and you're working those kinds of hours, like, say, like, an entry-level programmer or a QA guy you start to realize that you'd probably make more money if you just worked those same hours at, like, McDonald's. Yeah. Like, when I first moved to San Francisco back in, like, 1999 or whatever, like, I was making 35K a year in the Bay Area, and I was working, I don't even want to know how many hours. Mm -hmm. Like, probably 100 hours a week. Because I got in there, and I wanted to prove myself, and, you know, I wanted to be a success. I didn't want to have to leave California. I wanted to stay in games. And it's the same thing that these developers are doing. They're like... I want to make games. And I mean, that's the other angle of it is you know, watching some of the B-roll that we put up while we've been talking about this, like, a lot of what we were showing were, like, the glamorous jobs. <laughs> like, the guys who do the mo-cap and, mm-hmm. like, the guy who, like, designs the game. Like, you don't see, like, the grunts. Like, the people who sit there and just pound out code mm-hmm. all day, every day. And the only time somebody talks to them is when there's something wrong. Like, those people... They generally do not benefit from whether that game is a hit or not. And I mean, the one thing that you might contend is that if someone is willing to do that, where they're going to sit there and work all that time, where they could make more money working at a fast food restaurant for the hours that they're working, they probably love it. Like, mm-hmm.
1: it's true, but again, that's not really the issue. I think people are taking with Alex St. John's uh, opinions on that. He, the problem is that he's painting workers as inhuman, like he's treating them like machines, like. You know, even in companies where you work very long hours because you believe in the project, usually that company also shows some appreciation to you for doing that. And this seem, he seems to think this is just baseline expectation. I
0: don't know about that, Matt. I honestly don't know that I believe that, what? that the companies appreciate it. I no. don't. I think that they most companies just look at their employees as machines and numbers. And employee B29XV can get... X amount of work done and Y amount of hours.
1: I think it depends company to company. But at the same you mean you you think Insomniac's like that?
0: Probably not. But they're not really a corporation, they're a privately held company. Right,
1: but there's a ton of privately held development companies in, in the industry. I mean when you come down when it comes down to it, there's only a few big corporate game developers. Yeah. Publishers, that's one thing, like you know, I mean, you're talking about big corporate developers. But I mean, let's developers. be honest, who
0: are you really working for? Yeah, but
1: you're, you're really t- working for the publisher. Somewhat, but I mean, that doesn't necessarily impact your corporate culture or your company culture on that level. I mean, it's not the same thing as like, you know, working for Insomniac who was making a game for Oculus is probably not the same as working directly for Oculus or working directly for Ubisoft as one of their... I mean, those guys, I think, probably read that Alex St. John's piece and were just like, yep. (laughs) You know, I think there's a lot more more, uh, recognition, maybe, of that attitude in in a, a large, multinational... Than, than something like that.
0: I think the other thing you see with with stories like this is that people are gonna be quick to jump in and condemn the person, but you're never gonna see the people who agree with him coming out and saying, Oh, I agree with him. And I truth be told, I think there's probably a lot of executives in the industry that read what he wrote and was like
1: well, "I think there's a whole the shoe lot... fits. Look, I mean once you're up in that upper echelon, that like kind of completely you know, out of touch, out of touch, rich executive situation, yeah. it's very easy to see the people doing the, you know, because all you want is the product. All you want is your bottom line. And you don't care what these people have to do to get it done because, like, you know, you don't have to worry about it. You know, you want your thing done to deal with the client or deal with, you know, to deal with the customers and, like, whatever. Whereas, like, you know, you it's very easy to forget what it's like to be in that trench. Um, you know, and, and I think that kind of rhetoric is going to get worse and worse as you start to see uh, people in those positions react more and more virulently to the millennial generation, which, yeah. he, which, which he, he calls out a lot, out at, like, tremendously. Yeah. <laughs> and believe yeah. me, that's not the first time I've heard that, even from very reasonable people, from, yeah, exactly. that the millennials are very hard to motivate. And you know, it's, it's kind of ridiculous to ge- generalize that because, yeah. yes, I've, I've worked with millennial people that you literally had to, to, to cheerlead to get them to do their job on a daily basis. And I've worked with millennial people that you couldn't get to go home after 14 hours because they were so right. obsessed yep. with getting it right and doing it right and doing the doing the job.
0: And truth be so like, told, it's just
1: because everybody's different, like you yeah, said. Yeah. But it's very easy to kind of, you know, run into three or four bad apples in that regard and be like, oh, well, we need to impress upon this whole generation that, you know, you have to work like a slave until, you know, until 80 hours is up and even then you might need to still do some overtime and da-da-da. When in reality is like, you know, every generation has lazy people. Every generation yeah. has super hardworking people and everything in between. So it's not some kind of weird millennial unique thing because, you know, we had similar problems even going back 10,
0: 15 years. I think the one thing I would say about some of the younger generations is they think that success comes easier than it really does. Mm. Like, I, I would agree with you. I think that the, the number of, the percentage of that age group that works hard versus the percentage that doesn't work hard. is pretty much the same across every other generation. I would guess so. But I would also say that the gen, the part of that generation that works really hard expects to be rewarded for their work much earlier, quicker. Oh yeah. They think well, they... when
1: you come out of a generation that sees, like, the success, like, you see of, like, the YouTube stars yeah. and, and and Or that's... people
0: who start tech companies and yeah, go and so from like, an idea to,
1: like, a billionaire. Zuckerberg and those guys. Yeah. It's like, I had an idea in my dorm room and now I'm a multi-billionaire. Like, you know. Yeah. But again, that's one man out of millions. But that's what I
0: found is that, like, you know, they'd... You had to be really cautious about when you would pat them on the back because as soon as you would tell them that they did a good job their first thing was what do i get for that mm. what what's my reward for that and it's like well your reward was me telling you did a great job and we'll talk about it at your annual review this mm-hmm. year and
1: like know, my reaction
0: to that was always like
1: oh good i'm on the right track
0: yeah but you know?
1: like i, didn't, I what, didn't what
0: i found is yeah. that a lot of their reaction is okay now what do i get hmm. and uh but otherwise I think the whole millennial thing is completely overblown and overstated. Mm. Um, and look, perspectives change over time. It's like you said, like they've watched their whole lives. These people come up with a good mm. idea, and just like that, which we didn't really have. No, I mean, you know, that like, was not the very few and far between. Yeah. Like. And usually it was some de- it was like it wouldn't it was not quick either. Yeah. It was like you had like a I mean, think of when we were a friend who had a rich dad. Right. Or
1: like when but we were growing up. But it didn't happen up,
0: overnight. It's like his dad started it like a mill where he milled wood. And yeah. then he like Well when we grew up the They phrase, started his the own phrase, mill. The phrase like, get rich quick
1: scheme was a pejorative. Yeah, yeah. It was exactly. something you made fun of someone uh-huh. for doing. Yeah, yeah. But now it's like
0: that could happen. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs>
1: So, you know, and then you see things like, you know, what was that guy from, from Smite that, like, yeah. made fun of, like, you know, mentally disabled people and, like... Well, he didn't do that. Yeah, oh, no, it was suicidal. It was, it was yeah, suicide. Yeah. He, he, like, went on this crazy rant. I was like, where... Like, at what point do you detach from reality to the point that you think that's going to go over well? You know, it's like... Well, I, I think he
0: just was going to quit his job. <laughs> I don't think? think? I don't think he thought he was going to keep his job after that. I think he's he would probably gotten sick of his job and was like... I'm I, I'm tired of dealing with this crap. I'm gonna vent, and then I know I'm out.
1: There there are ways to do that that won't make it quite so hard to get the next job. Yeah, because he's pretty screwed.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so those of you who don't know, there was a guy who worked for High Res Studios who was li- who would live stream Smite for them, and uh, one of his regular viewers came on his stream and said in the comments that he had contemplated committing suicide, and he decided against it because. He enjoyed being a part of this guy's stream so much. Well, instead of the guy saying, Oh, like, I'm really flattered that, you know, the stream is so important to you, he went the whole other way and was like, If you are relying on me to keep you from killing yourself, you've got, like, major, well, no crap, he has major problems. Well, yeah. He's thinking about killing himself. Like, so bad on so many levels. That's actually like a borderline topic for today's show, but I decided to. There's not a whole lot of meat there because you, there's no other side. <laughs> there's no, there's just that. one like, side. You're, yeah. like... you're an insensitive jerk. Yeah. End of discussion. Yeah. That's pretty much it. Hmm. Yeah. So, well, we should probably move on from this topic as well. Uh, yeah. Obviously, Matt and I both think this guy's a total douchebag. I hope and we're isn't. not
1: against hard work at all. No, obviously not. I mean, we've, not. Done that, we've done that our <laughs> whole lives, but like, yeah. I have never felt like I was being exploited for that. And I think yeah. what he's describing is exploitation. Yeah, yeah.
0: And I, again, I just kind of have to be devil's advocate every, every once in a while to kind of inspire a discussion. I totally think the guy's a. An able, well, it's
1: not so. like I didn't do devil's advocate for Insomniac. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: That's just how it works. <laughs> how we roll. People... All right, so let's move on to the next topic. We don't have
1: a devil's advocate position for the suicide guy. No, That's the problem.
0: <laughs> exactly. There's no position to take no. on that one. All right, so we're going to talk briefly about Star Fox Zero. We talked about it on last week's show for a good while. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on it, but the embargo is up. In fact, the game eval, I was just doing the last revision of it when I had to leave to come and record the show. It's almost done. It'll be up as soon as I get back tonight and get the show going. Uh, It'll be up very soon, but the embargo is up, so I can talk about whatever now. Um, The reviews for it have come out today. I'm actually surprised at Better how than I high they are. IGN's review. Yeah, although... <laughs> I don't know what game they were playing. <laughs> I hate I, to ever use that phrase, but in journals do it all the time. It's, sometimes it's the I don't only, know if they were playing the same game as I don't know what movie me. you watched. But,
1: <laughs> um, I, I think uh, from what I read so far, I think Giant Bomb... Was, nailed it. Was my... Nailed it. They are very low. Uh, yeah. But, like, what they said... Rang very true to me in the sense of, like, well, there's nothing really new here. It's very retro. It's very throwback, and that's okay. But, like, it feels like maybe it would have been time for a Star Fox game that really moves into the modern era. Yeah. And I thought about the funny thing is, I thought about that and I realized, like, if this wasn't Star Fox, if it was just a game like this that wasn't Star Fox, this would be like a mid level indie game. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like any if this wasn't Nintendo making a new Star Fox, we'd be like, "Oh, that's a cool indie game."
0: I mean, I wouldn't say it's indie. I would just say But was, there are indie like
1: Rebel people, Galaxy.
0: Like Rebel Galaxy is not too far off this in terms of look and scope. Yeah. I mean, I would you, you haven't really played the whole thing. I wouldn't necessarily agree with that, but I would say that people would never guess that it was like a Nintendo published game. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have that like I said I said last week. It doesn't have that special sauce that a lot of Nintendo games have. Then again, they didn't develop it. It's developed by Platinum, but usually yeah, Nintendo's pretty good managing. But that's at happened managing, before, and they've
1: usually you know, pretty good at managing them those shape. projects.
0: Um, but yeah, I would agree that this game feels really old. Like just the way the checkpoint system is set up at a lot of points in the game. Like the last boss, like it's so stupid. Like, <laughs> so you have to fight this dogfight against. I don't want to th- want to spoil anything. You fight a dogfight that's. It's not even that hard. Like the first time you, you play it, it's hard, then you figure it out. Like a lot of Nintendo games, like once you figure it out, it's really freaking easy. And so you fight this dogfight, but it takes a long time. No matter how good you are, the dogfight just takes a long time to win. So you win the dogfight, then you have to go through this whole other like maze section of the game. Literally, it's a maze. Like you're flying your ship through a maze tunnel. And then you come and you fight the the final boss and that's all with two lives Hmm. and so i don't know if you remember star fox but like how it works is like you collect gold rings Mm -hmm. three gold rings you get an extra life and then the silver rings and gold rings give you health or whatever but essentially you have to go through three levels with two lives not accounting for the ones that you build as you find gold rings and there aren't many they're very smart or dumb depending on your perspective about how many gold rings they offer you, because they don't want you just farming for the gold rings, so to speak, and building up your lives. So I think the most I've ever had, most I've accumulated during this three-level section is, like, four. So you have to go through, like, three levels to basically, well, with four men. In this game, that's insane. Like, you could die, like, at any moment from a million different... You're just the final boss in the game. Right. Where literally, like, two hits of the boss kills you. So, you get depleted of guys, you have to go all the way back to that dogfight again and fight the dogfight and then do the tunnel maze, which is so stupid because it's the same every time. (laughs) And then fight the last bot. Like, it's... And the game is full of stuff like this. Where you're just like, what? Like, who thought of this and thought this was a good idea? Shane, like, Shane, it's just old school challenge. No, it's not. <laughs> and uh, the challenge in the game in general is just all over the place. Like, the really the beginning of the game is really easy. And then, like, you'll hit, like, a level where you're like, well, I just tried that 15 times in a row. And, hmm. like, eventually you get to the point where in some of the levels, you don't actually play the levels anymore. You're just trying to get to the end. So you like fly around everything and around obstacles and like and it uses the old like laser upgrade system. I don't know if you remember that, how they have the laser icons. That's the key to the whole game is making sure your laser's powered up. Because if you fight a boss with a base laser, it'll take you like an hour to chip him down to nothing. If you have like the second laser level for your ship, like he goes down in like five seconds. So the game becomes this thing of like I'm going to avoid all the enemies. I'm going to memorize where all the laser upgrades are and swoop in and pick up the laser upgrades, avoid everybody else to get... Because all the boss fights are like that. Like, they give you this little gauntlet before you fight the boss. If you die, you have to do it again. Like, it's never just like, you respawn and there's the boss. Fight him. Like just all kinds of weird goofy stuff in this game and like all the walker levels are complete throwaways and garbage never should have been included there's like this hovercrafts complete garbage and stupid and then they remember how last week you saw that one little thing where like the little robot comes down Mm -hmm. and he like goes up to a panel and hacks that is used like through the whole game (laughs) literally through like the whole game like against bosses like you'll fight a boss And you'll have to like fly your little ship And drop this little robot down On like a moving boss Like it is infuriating Fox souls Uh, (laughs) It is not a good game sifters. That's all I can say You'll see my my eval soon enough But it is not a good game I'll tell you that right now But the other thing we wanted to talk about today Is something that I have never ever seen In all my years Working in games journalism This is a new one and so today, actually, I don't I remember one other. Thing. Okay, I'll, I'll be interested to hear what that is. Because I don't remember it ever happening today. Polygon posted its review of Star Fox Zero, where it re, the editor refused to finish the game and refused to review the game.
1: Even though he pretty much reviewed. The Even game. though like, the article, the article is much basically was a review a with review. no score, I mean, right? But it said he never finished it, right? And he said he refused to finish it. Yes. Like, it was the strangest damn thing I've ever
0: seen. Like, <laughs> I have never, ever seen this before. Ever. And for them to publish it, like, if I had assigned this game to a freelance writer, and a couple days before he was supposed to come in, he emails me or she emails me and says, hey, I don't want to play this game anymore. <laughs> like, I just don't want to. I am. Disliking it and not enjoying it so much that I cannot bring myself to play it any further, which is just crazy. It's a freaking video game. It's not like you're digging a ditch. Like, <laughs> I would tell them, okay, well, you're not getting paid. One, two, I'll sign it to somebody else. Right. I don't then. I will. I don't say to them, okay, well, just. Why don't you write about just that? write a gaming vowel. But don't give it a score, and make sure you mention in there that you don't want to play the game anymore, and you never finished it. I just...
1: I I have never... I finished Ogre Battle 64 for review. I got no sympathy for anyone who can't finish a three-hour Star Fox game. You finished
0: The Witcher for us. I mean, you reviewed The Witcher 3 for us. Like, that's a 200-hour game. Like, this Star Fox, by the way, is about a six- or seven-hour game. And that's if you actually go Mm. back and, like, play stuff. Because I don't recommend it, by the way. Like, that's the one Mm. thing I found about Star Fox Zero that's different from Star Fox 64, is my motivation to replay it is, like, zero. Mm. Because you can't just go back and pick and choose the level. It's just like Star Fox 64. You have to
1: play through the whole
0: You have to play through the whole string. And after you finish the game those extra levels do come open and and unlock. So there's a little bit of incentive to go back and play some maps that you didn't get to see on your first playthrough, but you have to go through the walker levels to get to them. And I'm just like, no freaking way, Jose. Hmm. But it is, like, the first time through, and look, I will say, it doesn't sound like this editor got there, but I will say the end boss in this game really sucks. Like... Having to go through a three-level thing to, like, fight mm-hmm. the... That's just insane. But he never but even... But you did it. I did it. He never even got there. And he quit already. Or she. I don't even know who it was. Like... It was Arthur. Arthur Geese
1: Yeah. That blows me away. He's a reviews editor. Yeah, he's the reviews editor for Polygon. Wow. I, I don't get it. I've only, I have only I did excuse myself from a review once. It was Demon Souls. I took it home for I think one night or two nights and I came back and I'm like uh, this game is not for me. Yeah. Like I am not going to give this a fair shake in the review. Uh, I, I'm i just not I don't get it. Like I'm I'm, I'm not so, but that was like we had like three weeks to deadline. You know it was like, so yeah. like give it to somebody else. Like yeah. it wasn't like a we're they're not going like, to even finish this. Right. we're not going to review this.
0: We're just going to well, was it wasn't like you it, it, put your fist down. And you're like, no, I am reviewing this, and I'm gonna rail this game because I don't want to play it anymore. Right. Like, I said, just give it to somebody else, and they gave it to somebody else. Um, somebody else I probably knew I, thought it was okay. Yeah,
1: <laughs> but, I, but I knew I couldn't give it a fair evaluation because yeah. I just I didn't get it. wasn't working in my brain, and it took two more games for Dark Souls to really click with me. Yeah. Um, but I knew that, and I backed away from it. And like, uh, but other than that, I have I've played some bad games. Oh to review my people, gosh! I don't want to tell you all of them.
0: I have played. I still play bad games. It's sifted it like
1: it took me years to realize that some people don't like these reviewers a lot of times don't really finish fully finish the games, really? Oh, yeah. I didn't even realize that. no, yeah. Like who? Well, because we used to get like
0: memory cards with like you know give us your save for like. I a, mean the freelancers. Freelancers and yeah, stuff. every yeah. once in a while, but we could I we could usually ferret that out even without getting their yeah. saves. Like we could just tell by how they wrote their reviews. And generally, we'd let them go and they wouldn't review for us anymore. Right. But like sometimes, I mean, sometimes you really did
1: run into stuff where I'm like, okay, well, because like a lot of the games like RPGs I'd play too, and I'm like, oh, I'm playing it, but I want to save from the reviewer so it's further along, so I get better capture and like you know, more variety and stuff, and I get, the, you would
0: get the save from the reviewer, and it would be like 40 hours behind me, Yeah, you know, I was like, I'm like, what the fuck is this? Oh, back in the day, there was a couple guys who wrote for some of the magazines, like Maxim and stuff like that, who wrote reviews before they ever played the game. Wasn't it, wasn't like an I'm angel... not gonna name anybody, I know exactly who it was. I, th- I think I remember a couple of those reviews. Yeah. I mean, there's been some dirty stuff that's happened, but this is like this is Polygon. This isn't yeah. like some like 25 blurb, 25 word blurb review for Maxim. Like, well, it's this also it's it's not like a 40, 60, 80 hour game. It's like it's like seven hours. I'm not
1: saying you got to go through every single permutation of the map or yeah, anything to exactly. like, get to the end of it. You know? Yeah, I mean, I just
0: <laughs> I don't even know what to say. I
1: don't know. I don't, it's, the only other time I've seen anything like this was, uh, I think it was Justin McElroy. And I can't, it was before Polygon. It wasn't, but it was. Because he uh, writes for
0: Polygon, doesn't he? Yeah.
1: But it was, whatever, whatever it was before that. I don't remember where he was, but it was, um, it was near. And he was like, I couldn't get past this. Like, I couldn't figure out. It was a fishing thing. Like, the uh, fishing yeah, tutorial. Like, I can't Everybody out, got screwed by that. Uh, that was. And, like I couldn't figure out what to do. And like, so I just, I guess I can't finish the game and I'm not going to review it because I don't understand what, what it wants me to do. It's broken or whatever. And of course it turned out it was like he was fishing in the wrong spot. Right. If you just follow the X you'd go <laughs> to the other spot. But again Nier is also, is also one of those games where it's like you play it and you're like yeah this game is oddly vague. You know I love Nier but like yeah. there's a lot of points where I'm just like man what do you want game? Like yeah. what, Like what? Now I...
0: no, a lot of people got stuck on that fishing part. He, he wasn't mm-hmm. the only one. But here's the irony of the whole thing Matt.
1: But again Near is like a 70 hour game right
0: right you know like it's it's a bigger task here's the irony of the whole thing is that having said all that and having played the game from start to finish and gone back and played through a good part of it again and playing challenge modes and all the training stuff and co-op and everything his review is actually in my opinion closer to the truth than almost all the other reviews yeah I mean, it's not like you read that and you're just like,
1: oh, this is crazy, unreasonable bullshit. It's like, no, it sounds pretty close to what everyone's saying. No, I'm just saying saying, that
0: he's saying the game sucks. And I don't want to play it anymore. And the game is closer to sucking than it is to a lot of the other reviews that we curated on Sifted today. Mm. That's what I'm telling you. Like, so his methods are unorthodoxed. But it's not like you reached the wrong conclusion. <laughs> exactly. But I mean, yeah, if, you did, all... if you
1: didn't feel the, the compu- compulsion to finish it for your job, would you have finished Star Fox Zero?
0: I would have quit on the final boss fight. Yeah. I would have played it up until that point, but after I had died, like, the first, like... I mean, I got so good at that end sequence that I could get all the way to the boss without ever really even getting hit. Uh-huh. And I could actually fight that boss. Like it took me a long time to figure it. It was like, it's Nintendo. Like the final boss, like you get him to a stagger state without trying to spoil anything. And for the longest time, I just could not figure out what I was supposed to do when he was in the stagger uh-huh. state. I tried everything. And the problem is that once he gets into that stagger state and you go for it, whatever it may or may not be, if you fail, you die instantly. And so I could get through all that gauntlet Get to that boss, get that chip, that boss, all the way down to nothing until he goes to that stagger state, and then just die over mm. and over and over again, just trying to figure out what the quote unquote trick was to finish off the boss. And that stuff is worse
1: when you're trying to review something because usually it's not out yet, so you have no you have way no help. to find
0: out no help. what happened. You know yeah. how to do it? Nope, I had to figure it out on my own, and I finally did. But by the time I would have quit. Like if I was just playing that game for fun, and I mean, people will have guides. that They'll laugh when they... People watching this will laugh when they play it because they'll know what to do. Mm-hmm. But when you have nobody to talk to and you're trying to figure it out on your own... Mm-hmm. I wanted to quit. I had a couple of, <laughs> I, I wanted had, to quit playing the game. I had a few moments like that. Before so I I'm can sympathize with too. Arthur Gies a little bit. Like, I wanted to quit, but I didn't it because it's my job. Like, right. the people who read my game eval need to know that I played the whole damn game. Like... And, you know, he's lucky that he's right. Like, the game isn't good. Like, it doesn't magically get much better. Actually, it does get better, though, later on. Mm. Because early in the game, you're forced to play those walker levels and that stupid-ass hover plane. The last half of the game, it's almost all Landmaster Tank and Arwing. And so it does actually get better. It gets harder, but it gets better in the second half. He's just lucky that it's so worked out that... His ending opinion ended up being pretty accurate with the overall product, so mm-hmm. I've never seen anything like this ever. I've never seen a journalist just be like, "I quit." Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> I don't. I don't.
1: I don't get it. There yeah, were there you're... were points during my review of Dark Souls 2 for. Uh... Uh, Rev three, where I was like, I don't think I don't know if I can do this. Like, yeah. I don't know if I'm gonna make it. Like, and when you're I'm, on a deadline. And you're on a deadline. Like I mean, yeah, well, this was like two weeks before the game even came out. Like there was things where I'm like, I don't know where to go. I'm out of places to go. And like, you know, after wandering I tried around, every
0: item on every yeah. object in the game, and I,
1: and after wandering around for like another two hours, I found like the little path that I missed like the first 14 times I walked past. it, yeah. i was like, oh, there's a whole new place. Okay and you know that if, feeling that
0: you get when you yeah. discover
1: it you're like thank god Cause, and that wasn't even like oh this is
0: too hard for me This is, everyone's like I don't know what to do and because yeah, like, you if know, you're assigned a game by like an editor and you don't work there you're a freelancer or whatever yeah. like the last thing you want to do we ended up, is call them or email them and be like I'm going to miss deadline right that's the last thing as a freelancer you ever want to do is miss deadline well
1: it, I think it actually ended up like uh, I went on well, I dug up a couple other people I know who were reviewing it I'm like can we start like an email thread or something like, we had like a 500 email chain of like six people or something that were just like every, it was just like we create, we could have written a strategy guide for the game out of that email chain. It was crazy. So like we got, everybody got each other through it. But like that was the hardest like kind of like slog of a review I've ever done probably at least in recent memory. I'm sure like I didn't enjoy playing the G.I. Joe movie game either, <laughs> you know, but it was like, that was that was so mindless it never, you know, I don't remember doing it really. Yeah. Dark Souls 2, I remember just like I don't know if I can make Do it. This, I don't yeah. know if I'm gonna get to the end of this game before I gotta write this thing. And That's the worst, scary. and the worst thing is, was like I was like capturing footage because they wanted like footage for. It. And so I'm like, they not know if the right. footage isn't past a certain yeah, point. Yeah. I didn't get past that point. Yeah. So like, yeah. You have so, a conscience. That's yeah. what it is. Well, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I so I, I identify with the with the desire to just. I don't want my day. You know, I I identify with the, with the feeling of like getting up in the morning and be like. Oh, I gotta play that thing today. You know, but it was like, there's worse jobs to have, I mean, folks. I've I mean, done
0: really awful jobs in my like life. Like,
1: fucking, you know, suck it up and play the video game you're getting paid to play.
0: Yeah. You know, All I, I ever have to do so when I start feeling like that is I just remember a job that I had where I worked in a mill that made carpet for automobiles. <laughs> and it was 115 degrees. They... I don't want to talk about this too long because we need to move on. But literally, basically what they did is they dyed the carpet at this place in these vats that were the size of like 18-wheeler trucks that had 300-degree water in them and dye. Jeez. And there was just dozens of them. And it was literally 115 in there. with air. Con- they had air conditioning in the building. It was still 115 and like 300% humidity. Mm. So I just always think back to that. I'm like... Nothing will ever be as bad as that job. Unless we go back there and make you play Star Fox Zero in it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we gotta move on to the next topic. We're getting at the two hour mark already and we have two topics. I to knew you're full of it when you say we're gonna go three hours <laughs> on this one. It's happened again. All we right. love
1: hearing ourselves talk.
0: Yeah. So Ubisoft this week, a big gap. At least in my opinion it was a big gap. So the late game in the division has turned out to be pretty much a disaster and a yeah. mess. Like, people are into it. Like, the loot drops are great, and people are motivated to keep playing, but it is just a litany of bugs and issues with it. Typically, when developers have issues with their code or publishers have issues with their code, they're very apologetic and they put out a press release saying, We're working as hard as we can, we're working around the clock, we're in on the weekend, we're working 80 hour weeks to fix it. <laughs> But not Ubisoft. So, basically what happened is there's been a couple huge exploits that have been found. So, one of them... That's the
1: only use for that portable cover thing.
0: Yeah, well, that's, we're going to talk about that one second. The one that we're showing right now is basically an exploit that turns your weapons into just world destroyers. So, <laughs> basically you can like... If you have a certain perk enabled and you swap weapons really quickly, as you swap the weapons, you see them doing it right there. Mm -hmm. It boosts the power of your weapon until you can take out the toughest enemies in the game with like one shot. Wow. Literally. Like the most difficult boss in the game you can drop with like one shot. And so they found that one. Now the second one, if you'll flip the, the footage, this one is the one that you were talking about. So... Incursions are essentially raids. They're the closest Mm -hmm. thing that they have to raids in the division. And so this glitch/slash exploit, basically you just use a piece of portable cover while you're standing against a wall, and it will teleport you through that wall. And so Which has been
1: the the core of tons of of mission skips. And there you can see he just did it
0: right there. So and what it does is when you teleport into that room, the game doesn't recognize that you're in the room it thinks you're not there so you can run around and people don't even act like you're there they don't shoot at you the boss doesn't shoot at you there's like no way to die the game doesn't recognize you as in the room and so this is like the hardest boss in the whole game and you can just walk up and just basically chip it down until it dies Hmm. and then get obviously huge huge loot gear rewards for it so Obvious shoddy programming by Ubisoft and by the developers of the game. I like, um, welcome to, like multi- massively multiplayer games. Pretty much. Like, that's what people do. And look, people expect this of MMOs or just games in general. Like a game that's this big and this involved and you have people online and all these factors like flying around. Like There's going to be a couple loopholes that need to be tied up in the code. Yeah. It's not a surprise. The problem is how Ubisoft reacted to it. Ubisoft initially was saying oh the people who use these exploits are going to be severely punished <laughs> severely punished they never even thought about the fact of what if somebody just stumbles upon this and just does it and it just happens like
1: or what if they're in a game where someone else does it and like right they don't you know they're it's not well it's like you've already been through this thing you don't want to lose your progress but somebody yeah. decided to do that and look, there's. And now some, you're
0: part of it. There's some context for this, too, because look, the loot came from Destiny. It's kind of oh, the yeah. same thing. It was an exploit. Well,
1: I mean, the, 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 the division is similar. You know, that one guy, the one boss guy, uh, who bullet fu- bullet farmer, bullet whatever, and you could run out and right. kill him and take the thing and run back to the safe house and run back out as long as you didn't kill his whole group. He would keep responding. just yeah. do it forever. Just keep and load. it was other similar things where you could like use the portable cover to like kind of sneak your way into the back of the Russian embassy mission and like yeah. kill those guys over and over again and just get loot like that. And it's like they didn't ban any of those people, you know. But it's like it's like that's just how these on you know MMO kind of games work. Is like you know you put a thing out, you didn't test it enough, people find all these crazy exploits, you patch it up until people can't do that anymore, and that's it. And like yeah, like. There's people that benefit from it by, you know, exploiting these glitches early on. But you don't, like, I mean, maybe you take the, the items away if you're set, your your game is set up to do that. But, like, you don't ban them. No, it. you don't. Like, they didn't make you're the You're
0: punishing them for your mistakes. If it's in the game, it's in the game. Yeah, it is their game. The yeah, that's the way I look at it, too. Like, unless somebody is using, like, wall hacks. Like, if they're mm-hmm. modding it to cheat, sure. Yeah. Go after them. Or if, like, stuff like with Street Fighter, where people are just dropping because the game doesn't count as right, drop as a dumb. loss. Totally fine with that. But when people are using the code that you supplied and not altering it in any way, how can you punish somebody for doing that? Like, Bungie didn't punish people for using a loot cave.
1: Nope. It
0: eventually fixed it or got changed it. Got rid of it, it. yeah. It got rid of it, but it didn't punish people for it. And look, there is a version of a loot cave in this, too. Kind of, it wasn't a cave, obviously, but... <laughs> there was a, an area where you could just sit that, there and keep shooting yeah, enemies. Yeah, but that, that's
1: what those things are called now because of right. Destiny. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Yeah.
0: So to me, man, Ubisoft dropping the ball, and let's be be—let's be fair, like, they have kind of backtracked on it. Like, so they came out at first and was like, you're going to be severely punished. We're going to get you. Yeah, that's ridiculous. And so then I'll they tell came, you, I
1: haven't been playing Division much, but if I would known about that flip the weapon, I'd have done that in a hot second. Oh, yeah, kidding? man,
0: I know. Well, see, the problem is, is that it works in PvP. So when you're in mm-hmm. the Dark Zone... Mm-hmm you can do this trick and just walk up to like even the highest level other player and just bam, just kill them. And so the problem is, is that the people who are refusing to do it can't compete with the people mm. who are doing it. So out of survival, they're doing Everyone's it. Everyone's doing it. Yeah, yeah, they're like, if I don't do this, people just come up to me and take all my stuff. Like, I had enough problem with the Dark Zone whenever <laughs> I didn't, when people didn't have these weapons. Like, people just walked up and killed me and took all my stuff. I was like, screw this sucks. Like... So yeah, Ubisoft. I am. It's hard to say that they've ever been consumer friendly, really. I guess. Yeah, but. But that's a new low. That is not the way to go about. It's like you just you
1: suck up that you you know you screwed it up and people got to do some unfair things for a while and you fix it and you move on. Yeah, and I you mean, try to make so sure it doesn't happen again. Do you take the loot away? If you can. You do take the loot away. I would. Why? How do you know how they
0: got the loot though? Whether it was legitimately well, that's or... exactly
1: it. You have to be sure. Yeah. You know, like something, and that's usually in the case of like, you can do some weird thing, and like, you know, so that one piece of loot you can get turns out to be like way more powerful than it should be. Um, you know, I've seen I've seen things where it's like either that that item is taken away or it's severely nerfed. Um, you know, that happens anyway. You know, that you. Know, you I think can, one of these. Things you can't base
0: be... tomorrow actually, or the twenty. Yeah, the twenty first. Mm-hmm. Like you can't
1: depend on anything you get that's amazing. To be amazing three months from now. You know, yeah. that's just the nature of the beast. Um, but I find it very hard to believe that they can keep track of who got what from where in that's this what game. I'm so I don't think they'll do anything like that. You
0: don't think they'll take the loot away?
1: I don't see how they could. I, I, I have a... There's also, like, that maybe Phoenix I'm under- Credits
0: glitch where you can just roll up the Phoenix Credits. Like, this well, game has a lot of issues, man. Like, like clearly they didn't, like, you know... I mean, it's the end
1: game. The end game is probably the last thing you test, and the thing right, right now, the end game is being you know play tested by a couple million people. Yeah. So like, of course, you're going to find stuff like this, but you can't like punish people for your inability to put out a solid product in that regard. Like, if it's there, players are going to take advantage of it. Now, and look, if you and if you can, if you can correct that by like you know resetting the board, basically, including doing the glitches, I guess like you can go ahead and choose that, but like you're going to piss pe- the people off that got... you know, And it's like, that's the thing. It's like, well, we don't care if we piss you off if you got this stuff for a glitch and then you lost it because you shouldn't have had it in the first place. But at the same time, it's like...
0: How do you know they shouldn't have had it, though? I mean, well, you
1: either have really detailed tracking systems the way, like, Blizzard... You know, like, World of Warcraft can tell what you did any given second of the day, you know, at all. You know, they can, they can track that shit, no problem. But I have a very hard time believing The Division has anything equivalent. I think it's just... Just basically from how this thing operates, like I don't, you know, the fact that like you could make a backpack that that held too many things yeah. and sent like the game into like lockup, and I mean that to me says that like you barely know whether this thing's gonna hold together tomorrow oh, yeah, or not. yeah, yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. So I I have a hard time believing they have a tracking inventory loot tracking system that is detailed enough that they could tell who did that and and punish them accordingly. Because if they did, they'd probably just do that instead of banning them.
0: Yeah. Right? And to be fair, again, like, Ubisoft actually has not completely rescinded the fact that they're going to, like, ban people. Like, it said... It would be a very, very bad move. Yeah. At first they said they're going to punish everybody severely. And then, like, the same community manager came out and said, okay, that's not set in stone yet. But he didn't say it wasn't happening. Right. Like, it's still, like, a possibility. I mean,
1: I... Because they're probably still... They're investigating.
0: I think internally
1: they're still arguing with Ubisoft France. Probably right. I bet you, I'll bet i bet you anything the home office is like shoot them all. Yeah. Like, like them. line them all up at execution style <laughs> and like end their accounts and yeah. everyone who lives in the reality world is like that's a, a bad very idea. bad idea. <laughs> yeah. You know. Like that would be my wild guess as to what's happening here is like you know the home office is saying like kill them all and they're like Kind of our most dedicated players yeah. probably don't want to do that. Probably
0: the people who are going to buy Watch Dogs 2.
1: Yeah, because somebody has to. Yeah,
0: it's like their <laughs> yeah, their sixty dollars is worth more than them getting some yeah. weird ones and zeros in their account yeah. that they may or may not supposed to have. And our season pass holders, to yeah, exactly, a large degree, probably you know like
1: or potential season pass purchasers, you know, yeah. like these you know the end the people who've been sticking around to the end game enough to want to glitch through to like the high end gear are probably not the people you want to screw with. And really the solution if you've got too many people that have what you consider like the high end end game gear is that in your next update, you know, content update or your, your first expansion pack, whatever you're going to do, uh, you put in a bunch of gear that's way better than that so that they have to go do it honestly this time. Yeah. Like you lost this round. Like yeah. you're done. Like you, you have to accept that a whole bunch of people got this gear in a way you didn't intend them to. But like, you know, welcome to the fucking club. Get over
0: it. Yeah. And move on, which is what we need to do. All right, let's move on to the last topic of the Big Six. This is where Matt and I try to see the future. We are going to try and predict what we think video games are going to be like in 10 years. So, Which is impossible. It is impossible, but it's going to be a fun exercise. And so I'm going to start with the game that initially showed me the light. It showed me the future, where we are going to be. And that game is Puzzle Quest. <laughs> Puzzle Quest was the first game that I played where I was like, why in the hell would there be RPG elements in this game? (laughs) And I loved it. Mm -hmm. I loved Puzzle Quest because I already loved Match 3 games. Keep in mind, this was like 10, 11 years ago or whenever it came out. I already loved Match 3. That was before people thought of Match 3 as some corny like free to play game on their cell phone. Yeah, this is when it
1: was Bejeweled.
0: Right. Yeah. Or um, there were even tons of clones back then as well. Columns. Yeah. Um I played this game and I was like, "Oh my god, like they figured out how to put RPG elements into something that I never thought would have RPG elements." And so that was the kind of the eye opener for me. It was the game that I realized, "Well, Everything's starting to blur together now and becoming, like, one genre. It's like the population on Earth in a billion years. Everyone's going to be one color. Mm. Everyone's going to be intermingled so much that it's just going to be one flat color and everyone is the same hue or whatever. That's where I think video games are going. I think eventually every game is going to have some level of RPG elements in it. And in some ways, it's already kind of here. Like. Yeah. I mean, I'm playing a baseball RPG right now. It's called The Show. Yep, and That's there's what it is. and there were the games we were just talking about, games like The Division, Destiny, shooters that are now Even RPGs, racing games. racing games have RPG elements in them. I mean, I could just go on and on. And then you have like Fallout 4, which is a shooter RPG that weighs more heavily into the RPG side. Then you have like The Witcher 3, which is just more of a straight up. RPG, but now instead of being like turn-based like it was back in the old days, it's like full-on action combat. Um, I just think 10 years from now you will be hard-pressed to find any game that does not have some level uh, or some amount of leveling up, crafting, loot, all of that. It's just, I think that's where it's all headed with a little dash of survival. Mm. (laughs) That seems to be the other element that's just now starting to creep into every game is some level of survival in it. And even, like, games that come out without that in it, they put out an update that makes them that way. Like, Far Cry Primal is an example. They just put a survival mode in that. Yep. They put putting a survival yep. mode in Fallout 4. And Tomb Raider. Yep, and Tomb Raider. So that's where they're all going to be survival RPGs in 10 years yep. So saith Father Shane. What about you, Matt?
1: Uh, well, I will support the idea of that survival idea being like kind of the next big wave because my first game to bring up was No Man's Sky, mm. which turned out to, turns out to have a lot more survival elements to it than we previously thought. I this think. week, there's a bunch yeah. of ton-
0: new demos of it, and mm-hmm. you're right. Like, I had no idea I even had that at all. Like, other than like it's cold, like get to mm-hmm. a cave or whatever. Like, there's much more to it than much that. More to it.
1: There's a lot of resource management. There's a lot of like you have to use your resources to refill your weapons, to refill your shields. And you have to choose. It's not an auto-regenerating shield. Yeah, you have to like say you know press the options button to you know recharge your shields with your with your equipment, and like it, you know it, clearly there's a lot more to that moment-to-moment gameplay. That, and I think if this game really takes off, you're gonna see <laughs> no pun intended. Right, <laughs> you're gonna see a lot of that sort of infuse into it. And I mean, I think there are gonna be places where you don't. You know, I have a hard time seeing a future in which like. The new Zelda has survival elements. Really? <laughs> like,
0: like, but yeah. Even in ten years?
1: Even in ten years.
0: Really? I don't have a problem. I think I have no problem with imagining that. No. I have no
1: problem imagining. It. I don't think that they're going to do it. Why? Because I have. I just. It's just so anti-Nintendo philosophy. It's like the idea that you'd have to worry about whether Link's hungry. <laughs> <laughs> like I just don't see them doing it. Because even though I think I would totally play that Zelda game, like I. I have a hard time seeing. You know. Like, are you ever going to see RPG elements in Mario? They've, yeah, I think you could. You could, but they've resisted. I mean, they've made a separate Mario RPG spinoff in the Paper Mario stuff. Right. But, like, do you ever think there's going to be a point where you're, like...
0: You can get higher jumps leveling and, Leveling like, up your
1: jump or, like, you know, choosing, you know, putting points in strength to, like, smash blocks as small Mario or, like...
0: In ten like that? years? I think it's possible. Mm-hmm. I really do. Although I would say Nintendo is, uh... One of the publishers and developers more resistant to change than others. Yeah,
1: I mean they seem very dedicated to delivering that you know
0: pure Mario experience with I everything. I don't think. I think if Mario, I wonder if that's part of the problem. I think if Mario stays the way it is for another ten years, Nintendo's in deep crap.
1: I think the future of Mario is Mario Maker. Could be. I think that's the. I think that's what that series is going to be from now on.
0: With survival elements, you can put. Food they kind
1: <laughs> of have a survival mode now, or yeah. you just play all the random right? stages. You know, I do, mean? That's, yeah. you're, you're, maybe that's the first step towards that. But I think you're right that sur- that survival idea is sort of a, is sort of the new experience points.
0: I think it brings realism into the game because that's yeah. something that every human can can understand. Well, it and it's also, like I'm hungry, I need to eat, or I'm gonna die.
1: Well it also creates like a connection to the world. Yeah. And and makes kind of you know the, the rampant collecting that has sort of plagued the open world game in the recent years, it gives it a more tangible point, a tangible yeah. purpose. Beyond just like the Far Cry style, of like skin four thousand animals to make a slightly larger bag, right? Um, so. Which I did with glee. <laughs> oh yeah, many, many, <laughs> ma- many boffins died to make this grenade pouch, my friend. <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, that would be, I would, I would agree with you on that. Um,
0: Any other places you see it going?
1: Oh, uh survival or just games? Games. Yeah. Uh, well I think VR will be Yeah, a, VR's on my sta- list as standard, well. You know, I think
0: VR will kind of replace uh what we you know I think always online virtual reality are, yeah. is the other two the other sort of style that I think is going to permeate games in ten years. Like every game is going to be connected all the time. Mm-hmm. And like the asymmetrical stuff that we're seeing now is just the tip of the iceberg.
1: I think VR will basically replace uh, the pillar... That Reality? Think, <laughs> no, that we think of as handheld. Like, handheld games are going to go away, and VR games will kind of be that third pillar. Fill in that niche. Now. I can see that. Because, um, you know, it's 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 a different way of playing, and a lot of times totally different games, uh, except it's just we don't... You know, you don't really think of the handheld... Like what you're playing on your 3DS as being, like, uh, instead of or on top of what you play on your... PlayStation 4 or whatever it's just it's a different way of playing something a different platform entirely and I think that's just how VR is going to end up being thought of
0: Well I think what's going to happen is you're going to, there's going to be games because they're always online and they're asymmetrical there are going to be games that you never leave, ever so between playing at home on whether it's a TV or whatever the hell the display technology will be in Mm -hmm. 10 years who even frickin knows, or a head mounted display HR helmet or whether then you leave the house with augmented reality glasses on, mm-hmm. and the game follows you everywhere you go. Mm-hmm. So basically, Second Life will be real well, the, finally, the, where what literally th- the game is a part of every moment of your life. I think
1: I keep thinking of a game that, that never came out. I think it was EA, uh, but it was when I was it first was announced or talked about when I was in, when we were in college. I think. It was called Sovereign. Yeah, I remember Sovereign. Remember Sovereign? It was like a, it was like a kind of Tom Clancy-ish sort of military strategy game. But the idea was it was always happening. It was a persistent map, and like you, you could like play it at home. But if you were out like doing something else, like say one of your neighbors or allies got attacked, they could text you, and like you could like say okay, and like commit a certain amount of your forces from your country or whatever to their game and help them that way. And I think a game like that where like you know kind of kind of like the the, the clash of clans or ga- you know what a game of war or whatever thing where it's like oh everyone's competing but it's all asymmetrical kind of thing i think something that that kind of works more real time like you say with ar uh, when you're out of the house, and then working in VR when you're there, like, I think, so. in the sense of, like, like a clan would always be in communication with each other somehow, I think that would definitely be something. we.
0: Or rival of. clans, I mean, imagine you're going to see a movie, and you have your AR glasses on, and, like, you're walking into the theater, and, like, the enemy clan, like, busts through the wall in AR, <laughs> and, like, attacks you, like, that's the type of stuff that all this technology is going towards. It's like, a good just way to get this... thrown
1: out of the Alamo Draft House, <laughs> folks. <so.
0: laughs> it's just an all-encompassing way. Like, and it's not just going to be games either. I think movies will work that way. Like, you'll go see a movie, and you walk out of the theater with your AR glasses on, and like a creature from the movie will walk through the door or come through the wall or whatever. Like, the possibilities are just endless. But You're seeing the tip of the iceberg here with stuff like The Division, just the MMO, the persistent world. They're building that foundation now to create these worlds that just become a part of your life. It's like it's not even a game anymore. It's just your life, and it's Uh another element of your life that you interact with and combat with or fall in love with or whatever. And uh, I think in 10 years, you'll start to see that line dissolve between game and reality i guess is the best way to put it
1: um the pop-up ads are going to be nightmares
0: oh yeah <laughs> you're right though think about it
1: like deadpool 5 is going to be advertised by like deadpool popping up on your fucking couch oh you're right and being sitting like sitting next to you hey it's opening night why aren't you there i'm like dude get yeah, out like you're you absolutely gonna... yeah. right
0: that's exactly the type of stuff that's going to happen i mean it already is happening like if you look at some of the hololens stuff that they're doing already like some of those games where like the characters from the game come and hang out with you in your living room and sit down mm-hmm. on your freaking couch. That's crazy stuff, man. <laughs> like, that is crazy. Or that character from the game sit next to you saying, hey, the DLC just came out today. The, I already met the guy from the DLC. He's awesome. Like, you should totally spend the dollar and bring him into the living room because he has some really funny jokes. Like, just think about it, man. Like, everything is about to change. And the tech is there already. Like, So do you think
1: that, like... AR could lead to a situation where like one of the things you can one of the features you could do is like the the main character of the game is like on the couch next to you while you play. Yeah. Giving like, you tips
0: like, and tricks or like
1: criticizing you.
0: It could do that, <laughs> like it could do a million things. I play Uncharted Six with Nathan Drake. I mean Sure the, the the bow is about to break, is what I'm saying. Like all this fledgling technology that we have that's now becoming viable and being sold in 10 years think about look at what think mm-hmm. about what we're seeing with HoloLens and Magic Leap right now what we're seeing with Oculus PlayStation VR Vive right now and just imagine mm-hmm. 10 years from now
1: well then, like you, know, you you can even think about some stuff we take for granted and like go back go back to 2000 let's say take it back a few years to when like Dark Souls was beginning like let's say go back to 2000 and tell everyone that like oh there's going to be this Huge RPG that's super challenging and like all real time, and the hitboxes are gonna be amazing. And people can run into your world and come try to kill you or help you. And you can like fight people off and fight bosses together. And like it's all like that. Like back back in like 2000, 2001, that's, that's science fiction. That's poppycock. That's yeah. crazy. <laughs> that's just nonsense.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know? You're right. I, it is here we
1: are, and here we are. That's like it, like we there's like seven games that do that now. Yeah, you know? and it's like it's like it's like oh that again. You know?
0: so I like, mean that's a pretty good example, but I do feel like tech has kind of stagnated for a while. I mean once mm-hmm. we got polygonal graphics, you yeah, know, it's like no. I said before, like I was playing Star Siege Tribes with sixty four people on a fifty six k connection for a long time with a Voodoo two card. So a lot of the stuff that's come along Like since then hasn't really iterated that much beyond that. You're right, that asymmetrical multiplayer is one of them. Mm. But we've been kind of in this lull for a long time, but the dam is about to burst because of the new technology that we have. And in 10 years, like, honestly some of the stuff that we're saying right now is probably kind of conservative. Like, mm-hmm. there are people way smarter than us who will come up with way better ideas than what we've come up with since we've thought about this topic. Like, People who will get paid metric tons of money to come up with way better ideas. Although, just the stuff that we've come up with, I'm cool with that. That would be awesome, <laughs> dude. Like,
1: seriously. I don't know if I want Deadpool following follow me down the street trying to get me to go to the movies. <laughs> but it's, it... Like, that's cool the first couple times. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like...
0: But the possibilities are, like, endless. And I'm curious, too. Like, I want to hear what the Sifters think. Like, what do you guys think? Are we crazy? You think this stuff is going to happen? I think or... it'll all happen. Like, what do you think is going to happen? I want to see it in the comments.
1: Like I think you'll. Here's the thing I think is going to happen. Like one of the VR things that is going to be something that that maybe you were not thinking about or not not considering early on, but like I think it's going to become like a thing. I think there's going to be a, a, a market or at least a a trend at some point where you can basically digitize your entire or like whatever. Like you can teach your VR device what your house looks like, and you can wear the helmet. And it can just make your house whatever you want it to be. And I get a lot of that from uh Transmetropolitan, where the entertainment center is basically holographic. Right, right. And you and like at one point, like Spider Jerusalem says, Entertainment center, give me fire, and his whole living room just becomes like an inferno, and he sits in his couch and like lords <laughs> over the news channels as like as he rules over the, the you know, the king right. of hell, basically. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I think that VR is gonna let you do stuff like that. Oh, like, yeah, you're yeah, for gonna sure. come home, sit down in a virtual version of your, your exact house, but you're gonna be able to say like Make it this. Let me see Hawaii out the window. Like maybe you know just. Will like you ever have in... to
0: clean your house again?
1: Hell no. <laughs> Not
0: until you smell something. Every, exactly. <laughs> Everything was perfectly clean in VR. <laughs> it is crazy to think about though. I mean, mm-hmm. you start mixing VR and AR together and I mean At the same time. You can really mess with people. What it. What if like
1: VR then lets you you know you have a, a model of your living room or whatever. Yeah. You stick your stick a VR helmet on the kid and say, okay, you're now now you're gonna play the vacuum game. <laughs> <laughs> and it knows all, where all where all the dirt is because it has cameras on it. So you just like, okay, vacuum. You get points for all the cleaning cleaning you do, and then like you turn that clean those clean points in for time on the machine or yeah, something yeah. to play a game. Yeah. Like, there's tons the of... possibilities you know, are endless, The Fitbit really. is just the beginning of gamifying, you know, boring stuff.
0: Physical fitness as well, yeah. yeah. I think we came up with some good stuff. It's exciting. <laughs> it is exciting. I'm pumped for it. Ten years from now, man, I'll be pretty old. I hope well, I'm not too old to here's, appreciate Here's
1: one of my ten years from now questions for, you You know, honestly, like, I don't know the... I don't ha- really have an answer, but I want to know what you think. Um... So let's say Microsoft does move away from the console thing and kind of more, goes more of kind of a Windows platform idea. So, so let's say they do that for the next coming years. Let's say that's their plan.
0: So the Xbox One's their last console. Yeah.
1: The Xbox, the Xbox becomes more of like a Steambox idea, more okay. than an actual individual console platform. Um, what happens to Halo? Do you think Halo will have enough cachet with, like, the people who are more the PC side? Because since they've ignored the PC with that franchise for years and years, do you think Halo persists?
0: Yeah, of course. It'll... In ten years, it'll definitely still be around, without a doubt. I mean, that's three more entries of the franchise mm-hmm. based upon their usual schedule. Um, I think it has... It's close, but I think it has the legs to survive that long I think it may not survive much longer than 10 years Mm. and I think in 10 years it'll probably be multi-platform and it'll be, if there's even, if even consoles exist in 10 years, Matt Mm -hmm. I mean
1: You might just be picking different flavors of PCs by that point
0: I mean, we may just be, the one console future may be here in 10 years, and it's just PC, like Mm -hmm. that's really, I mean we're already kind of there anyway, I mean what's the difference really between Playstation 4 and Xbox One Xbox One. Sony and Microsoft. It's just the That's badge it. on the machine and yeah. the piece of plastic that holds the electronics. That's it. i got a it. PC
1: Station 5.
0: That's really all it is. Yeah. They're just PCs with different pieces of plastic wrapped around them and a different logo slapped on the top of them.
1: Until we get to the point where the PlayStation 9 shows up where you just inhale it.
0: Right, yeah. You remember that, <laughs> remember that,
1: car- that, that commercial. Yeah,
0: and it lasts for like five years. <laughs> that one inhale. I definitely inhaled. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, big big things are afoot, mm. man. I cannot wait to see the future. I can't wait to see what you guys think the future is going to hold as well. You guys can outdo us. I guarantee you. you, can come up with better ideas than what we did. In but, fact,
1: I think one of the biggest uh, Microsoft, one of Microsoft's biggest things in ten years will be Minecraft. Still, Microsoft will be the Minecraft company, basically. In well, terms of kids software. will
0: be living in like Minecraft bedrooms and yep. <laughs> it's crazy.
1: Virtual mine, virtual reality Minecraft building. You'll be running around on giant. Minecraft versions of, you know, Mount Doom and the Millennium Falcon and
0: yeah, and it'll keep kids in shape. Yeah. that's the problem. I mean, I've even set, I've even found working on Sifted the last eighteen months is like when you sit around in front of a computer all the time, it's not good for you. So yeah,
1: well, you should they should uh, do those. You know, I know that you can rig them up, but it's like, uh, you you have like those bicycles that produce electrical power, and you plug yeah. the console into it. If you stop pedaling, the console turns off. <laughs> like you
0: That'll better keep it. better keep going till you get to that save point. <laughs>
1: There's a way to keep the, the gaming population That's for sure. Care.
0: That's for sure. All right, it's time to go to our trailer of the week. It was actually tough this week to uh, choose the trailer of the week because there was a really awesome trailer that came out for Mafia 3. In fact, the best piece of media for the game yet really kind of spilled the guts on the story. But I went for a personal choice this week, and uh, a former colleague of mine and friend of mine, Greg Kasavin, his studio, Supergiant Games developers behind Transistor and Bastion. They announced their brand new game this week. It is called Pyre, and it looks different from their first two games, whereas Transistor and Bastion kind of had that similar vibe to them. This is a Mm -hmm. whole different genre, whole different thing. So here it is, the debut trailer for Pyre. Make sure you get those questions in while the trailer's rolling. Let's roll it. When the
1: stars align The rights shall
0: come to bear Illuminate the signs The exile said something that surprised me. You said you were not a fan of Bastion or Transistor. No.
1: I like the look and I like the concepts. I like everything about them except playing them. Really? Basically. I don't know what it is, really.
0: I really like Bastion. And I love how they do like the narration thing. I wonder if they're going to include that for this game. I don't know. I like, like
1: the narration thing a lot. Um, I just felt like it had showed me its hand after an hour or so, and I just didn't... It's just an action it. RPG. Like uh, I like
0: Bastion, but Transistor, I never actually finished Transistor. I got about halfway through it mm-hmm. and I stalled, so...
1: I got, I don't know, I don't, I don't, I don't got a to bag too hard on Transistor, I got it free from PlayStation Plus, so it's there not you like go. I, it's not like I lost anything to it, it yeah. was, it was fine, but it was like, it was very clearly by the same people that made Bastion, yeah, uh, and if you love Bastion, that was cool, uh, if you didn't, uh, it didn't really do anything to change my mind, I like the, I like the way Pyre looks though, like, I got, I really crazy, cool art style, yeah, art style is is that nice. like, the, the glass, like, gem kind of thing on the front yeah. of that book, like, that's a
0: crazy, effect. I love that, it, it looks, looks like real. it's totally real, it looks like, like you can you'd... reach in and grab it, yeah, it's totally. great, it's great. The art style of that game is nuts. And then it looked yeah. like the overworld was this weird, almost, like, diorama kind of a watercolor thing. watercolor diorama
1: like, thing, yeah. I know. It's... They've got really super talented uh, visual artists on at, that, at that company. Like, I don't care what you think about the games one way or the other. It's like, they, they're making quality stuff. It's not for me, or at least Bastion and Trans- Transistor weren't. But, like, I got nothing bad to say about them. And
0: you know what? Like, they were, like, the first wave of indie. Yeah. Like, they, they were did. really on that... Way that first wave that crashed ashore of like, hey, indie games can be like real awesome. games, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: And, yeah, I mean, Greg Kasavin, you know, he's he was one of our journalist pals Brethren, for yeah. y- years and years, and he's been there. And uh, I've only met him a few times, but he's a good
0: dude, and
1: yeah. uh, I'm glad his company's doing so well. I mean,
0: yeah, that both those games sold really well for him, so mm-hmm. can't wait to see more of that one. I'm sure we'll see it at E3. Let's see if we have any questions from you guys tonight. Been a long episode, so we appreciate you guys hanging in there. Uh, let's see. Here we go from, and I can never pronounce his name. Trans. Snowpiercer. Snowpiercer. His that's right. Snowpiercer. <laughs> uh, games based on film IPs have had a little, a little bit of a resurgence in the last couple of years. However, not many have reached their full potential. What film franchises do you believe are ripe for a game adaptation? And can break the 7 out of 10 Metacritic. On the flip side, what game franchises do you believe will finally break the streak of horrible film adaptations? I am surprised that Marvel
1: has not leveraged the Marvel Cinematic Universe more for video games. Um, And I know that they haven't because, you know, kind of the licensed movie game has sort of gone out the window in recent years. Uh, and there was an Avengers game that THQ was making, but it just never, you know, the THQ had a lot of problems. Um, and I think your movie license game right now is uh, LEGO Games basically yeah. i mean that's that's what that's become or disney infinity in case of star wars
0: at this point it could go either direction yeah <laughs> the game yeah. or the movie the movie or the game
1: um so uh i would think that once kind of you know phase three of the marvel cinematic universe is in the books they could probably put together a pretty like huge epic sprawling game that kind of covered the whole thing and sort of did did that up and like let you play as all the different characters and do that i think there's something to that Um, I don't know if Disney will go for it, because they don't seem particularly interested in, like, you know, AAA console and PC development at this point, beyond Disney Infinity, which seems to be taking this year off, and uh, Kingdom Hearts, which, you know, is at least going to have one more installment. Right. Um, Beyond that, like, I don't know. I mean, there is still some movie games, you know, there's the Fast and the Furious stuff in Forza. Um, which it's is, like pro- you know, I mean, and that's like one of the biggest thing. You know, and they still make Transformers games for the movies, more or less, which are all terrible, but whatever. Rise the Movies of- and the games. Yeah, I mean, Rise yeah. of the Dark Spark. The games was weren't now- bad,
0: though. The games were better than the films.
1: Well, the the non movie ones were. Yeah. Uh, you, know, like, you want good Transformers games, you go to the like I Moon's, you know, non movie ones, or you go to uh, Devastation, the Platinum made last year. But then, like, you, you know, Range of the Fall and Dark of the Moon and Rise of the Dark Spark were all barely, <laughs> barely yeah. playable for the most part. Um, I don't know. You know, I, I think I wish... I missed some of the old good movie games that, like, you remember uh, Wolverine? Yeah. Uh, Wolverine Origins. That was actually a good game. That was a great God of War clone game. Yeah. And what happened there was actually uh, uh, the movie was originally going to be like an R-rated thing and they got cold feet and decided to, like, do a bunch of reshoots and got delayed by a year. But the game was already an M-rated action game, you know, set to go with this R-rated movie. And they're like, well, you got to do it. And they're like, no. Like, they wouldn't yeah. do it. But they did end up with another year to polish it. So, like, that's why that game is so good is because they had a whole year to basically tinker with it and make it excellent.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so, so, like, you don't usually get that kind of luxury. So, I don't know if I really want to see the movie game come back too much. But I'm surprised that you haven't seen a little more superhero exploitation so far
0: i want to see an evil dead game that isn't like tongue-in-cheek like there was fistful of Mm. boomstick and it was like slapstick comedy like i would like to see an evil dead game that's like a survival horror game that's like legitimately scary Mm. and is like uh the first evil dead and the most recent reboot and not kind of those middle like army of darkness type Mm. spin-offs um i would also like to see games based on movies that aren't just like action films, so games like train spot or movies like train spotting and stuff like that, like movies that are like serious dramas and have those be games instead of it always being like what Matt was talking about, like a superhero film or mm-hmm. some like Mission Impossible, like an action film or a James Bond film or whatever. Um, I feel like uh, a lot of films explore areas that games haven't explored thematically, and that's kind of a good way. Is a, It acts as like a Trojan horse. To get people to try these new types of games Because they're already attached to the film So mm-hmm. just in a more general sense That's what I would hope for
1: I was interested, It was a long time ago But they made uh, You remember uh, James Bond Everything or Nothing Which was uh, a, It was a game Based on a movie that didn't exist Basically Everything or Nothing was like well,
0: Mission Impossible for N64 was kind of like that too Yeah but yeah. like
1: everything or nothing was basically there like what if what if there was this Bond movie yeah
0: and we just made a game out of it the game was actually pretty good it was
1: actually it was quite good and I I was like I always thought that was an interesting idea like maybe that was a a logical progression of the James Bond idea was like just make original games that happen to follow the Bond formula because the Bond formula lends itself to a video game as well as it does to a movie really I mean you got an opening action scene you got a Set up, you got another action scene. You know, it all kind of flows, right? And everything yeah. or nothing worked pretty well. So I would be interested to see, you know, uh, the game developers' takes on the James Bond idea because I'm sure game developers can come up with, you know, Uncharted level crazy, you know, stunt sequences and action sequences that you can maybe never do or not even want to attempt in the movies. Yeah, I'd be, I would be behind that. I'm more of an action-y person, I guess. On this one, I don't, I don't know. Tell, Telltale Games presents Rain Spotting is also something I would play, but.
0: All right. Uh, let's see. This one is from. This is for video games. I might have missed a talk, but any thoughts on Star Star Fox Guard? Um, yeah, I've played a ton of Star Fox Star Fox Guard. Um, it's not very good. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I would say. It. You can tell it's like Nintendo's first try at tower defense, or Miyamoto's first try at tower defense. Um, I've seen some people say that it's good for couch co-op, but it honestly drove me bonkers with my wife telling me, camera nine, camera nine, camera six, camera six. (laughs) I do like the
1: enemy that's like, it's just like a TV screen and it jumps up in front of a camera and like puts like a false video in front of it. That's, That's a pretty cool thing.
0: Um, it's unique, I'll say that much, but it's not that fun to play, I guess is the best way to put it. Like, you're basically, your eyes are just going in circles, looking at the cameras, looking for enemies, and then you just tap it really quickly on the gamepad, and then it, that camera goes up, and then you have like these weird inverted controls, like shooter controls for each turret. Um, what I found is that, like, a lot of it was just luck, whether you completed the levels, and at the end, all you really had to do was just switch to the camera closest to, like, your Nexus and just shoot them as they walked in because it only takes like a couple shots to knock most enemies down. So I've seen a couple of reviews that really gave it high scores. I've seen a couple that gave it really bad scores. I tend to agree with the people who gave it bad scores. I did not really have much fun with it. It, did, it does kind of put you on edge. It makes you kind of nervous while you play it. If, pe- if you're into that kind of game, you might like it more than I did. Um, I just feel like games like that just kind of toy with your emotions. And so <laughs> I'm not a big fan of them. Um, is it a bonus for Star Fox same it's to okay. Put you
1: on guard.
0: Yeah, <laughs> like I would pay five dollars for a Star Fox Guard.
1: Hmm.
0: It's something fun to fill something around. To with. Keep in mind for your mobile yeah. side, there Nintendo. It's also very samey. I guess is a good way mm. to put it. Like you do level up your units, but they're not as varied as like most tower defense games. Like it just like buffs like the turret. Like now the turret fires like a machine gun instead of being single shot. It's not like a lot of tower defense games where you have these units that do entirely different things and have entirely kind of different functionality. Um, Mm -hmm. So, and look, I'm a big tower defense guy. I probably should have said that before I started talking about it. I love tower defense. Um, I've played, I can't tell you how many tower defense games. Like, I just, I think they're a great way to suck away time on flights, and so that's where I play them a lot of times. But, uh, so I feel like I'm pretty qualified to judge Star Fox Guard, and I'm not a big fan, so...
1: Veneraba asks uh, me if I've heard anything about the reception from the Assassin's Creed trailer from CinemaCon. I have not. Any thoughts on its chances of success? Uh, Assassin's Creed is going to get buried because it comes out a week after Rogue One. And that's that. Like, it looks pretty good. Uh, and Fastbender, I guess, is signed on to a potential sequel. Uh, but I don't think it's going to do particularly well because uh, I think it's going to be rolled over by Star Wars. Um, although I think it might do
0: better than Warcraft will couple questions about Sifted that I'll try to answer quickly. This is from M. Griley. Shane, what are your plans to grow Sifted? Um, marketing. A ton, a ton of marketing. We're working on a big trailer right now. We're going to do a big push on Facebook with the trailer. In the past, we've been doing Facebook ads that are just still images, basically, with text. Um, but our new one is going to be a, like a one-minute like sizzle reel that goes out with the ad. Um, so we want to switch up our tactics a little bit. Um, our conversion rate is pretty good once we get people to the site. As far as the number of people that come to the number of people that subscribe, uh, that number is higher than t- than typical for marketing. Uh, but we just need to get more people to the site, period, so that they have the opportunity to sign up. So that answers that. Uh, cheater hater, I like that name. Um, with the influx of cash from the awesome Sifted Elite members, what does that mean for Sifted as the anniversary approaches? Um, well. It seems like there's a lot of people who donated, and there are, but when you get down to the raw numbers of money, I don't know what I'd call it, like an influx of cash. Um, I mean, you could just count the number of people that we mentioned the last couple episodes and just multiply that by 50 to know pretty much how much money we've got from the program. And it's nice. It gave us like a nice little buffer or whatever in our, our bank account, but it's... It's not the kind of money that's gonna like change everything. I guess is the best way to put it. It's not enough money to like hire somebody or even really launch a new show like like what they're getting at uh easy allies like thirty grand a month like that would definitely change like everything but I mean if you really do the math, we've got like four thousand dollars or something like that so that may sound like a lot of money, but in the grand scheme of things when you're running a company, four thousand dollars goes like that so Again, I really appreciate it. But if you're expecting like the world to turn upside down from Synth Elite, that's just unfortunately not the case. Unless things were to explode and it were to go to crazy, but you know, I think we've kind of figured out where the curve is with that at this point. So, Do you have one Matt?
1: Um, was uh, Vox ninety one asked, "Could you ever see high profile independent studios organizing in a way similar to how AAA developers were?" only with far better management within the next 10 years maybe as a way to pursue grander ideas. Like a collective. A collective, collective. coalition sort of thing.
0: Would that be like them coming together to work together on a game?
1: on a bigger game, I think is what he's saying.
0: No. I think the logistics of it are just too insane. And figuring out who makes what and splitting up the pie and just bringing all those teams together to work on one game. Oh, man, it would be so hard. Like, the logistics of it... Like basically, you're talking about like an indie supergroup,
1: yeah. Which is,
0: uh, I love the idea. Yeah, don't get me wrong. Like, I love where where you're heading and like you're thinking, like, yeah, let's get all these awesome guys together and like Voltron them together Mm. into this awesome studio. I love the concept of it, but I really don't see it ever happening. I just Matt says egos, but I just think the actual process of bringing all these different teams who have worked together into one team and trying to create one workflow that everybody can handle and be proficient with and efficient with, I just... You'd spend so much time trying to get everything up and running Hmm. that if you just started building the game on your own, you'd have it like a third of the way done at that amount of time. So I don't see it happening. What Hmm. do you think, Matt?
1: Probably not. I mean, it's a nice idea. Um, But in terms of getting all... It might be uh, something that could happen in terms of like kind of joining together to form sort of a... Like a brain trust idea But in terms of like all developing one product I don't think that's feasible As much as, as awesome as the end result Might be in a perfect world
0: uh, Let's see Maybe one more um, uh, Any word on updated Sifted subscription costs From Mike Zek Nope Nope <laughs> <laughs> but you're going to find out soon because believe it or not Matt we are a month away from the 1 year anniversary yeah. of sifted coming up yeah i mean some people it depend it depends because some people got in the really early beta mm-hmm. and then we had like the open beta and so some people's like turn over it like may 16th some people's are like may 29th or whatever but uh in a roundabout way, we're about a month away from the one-year anniversary, and you will know about the subscription cost probably in two weeks. Because I want to like have have people have the ability one for it, so I can we can message it. But two, so people can prepare if they're willing to resubscribe at the new cost or not. So yeah, within two weeks you should have that. I kind of have my I kind of have an idea of the number right now, but uh, I'm I feel like the more time I can spend thinking about it and analyzing it, the better, and so I still have a little buffer time to do that, so I'm going to make the most of it, so.
1: Um, Netfux wants to know if there's a chance for a watch later or read later function on Sifted.
0: That is one of the most requested features on Sifted, and so as far as new features are concerned, that is at the top of the list. Um, we're still, there's still a bunch of stuff that needs to be done, to be honest. Like we still, our achievements still aren't implemented, our private crew forums still aren't implemented. Um, I think one of the big problems is you guys come up with really good ideas, and we're like, oh, yeah, that's a really good idea. And then we decide to implement that, and it just keeps pushing all the other stuff back. So at a certain point, we have to kind of call it and uh, kind of finish the last couple big bullet points for the website and get those done. Um, But what you just mentioned is one of the most requested features on the site. Um, Another thing I should add, too, no one's asked it, but uh, we've had a ton of requests for it is uh, the ability to ignore users. Uh, that is not, <laughs> we're not going to implement that on Sifted. Um, we're gonna rely on our moderators to keep undesirables off the site. Uh, because I just feel like the whole concept and the whole vibe that we're trying to create with Sifted, allowing people to ignore others, just goes against the grain of everything I wanted to create with the site. Like I want it to be a place where people are happy to interact with each other. And so just trust us. that we are on it and our mods are on it and we're going to fetter out people who are ruining the community and get rid of them um and i think we've been pretty good about that and look we're not jerks either we give people more than a fair chance um but at a certain point you just kind of figure out it's not working out and we both need to move on or Hmm. whatever cliche relationship cliche you want to use and uh, just kind of part ways but uh yeah, we're not going to give you the ability to block other users. We just—it just goes against the sifted aesthetic, and uh, I just don't want to implement it. So, and
1: Solo Dolo Two Four One wants to know what E Three presser are you most looking forward to?
0: Oh, Nintendo, not a doubt.
1: Assuming it's a presser, and not a direct. Even if it's just a direct,
0: thing? yeah. I mean, it, they have the new hardware, so yeah. If not
1: Nintendo, I would say Sony, just because. Well, maybe Microsoft, because I just—I have so no idea what they're going to They're back in a do. corner like, again. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's Nintendo, hands down. I mean, they have the new product to show. I mean, best case scenario, Sony shows the Neo, which, you know, it'll have a different form factor probably from PlayStation 4, but at the end of the day, it's it's still the same functionality at a higher resolution. But Nintendo, like, is a complete wild card. We have no idea, like, what NX is or what it looks like or... -hmm. Yeah, so for me it's Nintendo. We don't even even know anything about
1: Zelda. Yeah. We have to show Zelda, right?
0: Yeah, at the very least we're going to get to see a big chunk of Zelda, I think. Mm Kind of has to be at this point. So, all right, we have to cut it off there. Before we go, though, we do want to announce our brand new Sifted Elite members for this week. And there's two one is Short Raver, and one is Glottis. Congratulations and thank you so much. Ladies, gentlemen, appreciate the donation. Short Raver, in particular, he was a he plugged away until he got to elite. He put a little <laughs> bit in here, a little bit in there, and he finally got himself up to the 50 bucks. So, congratulations. Um, in the green, that's right, you are in the green now. So, uh, yeah, as you can see, like someone was saying earlier about the elite program, well, you can see how much it slowed down. Like the mm. first week, it was just like rungs of right. people, last week, it was like 10, this week, it's like 2. So, yeah, if it had stayed at where it was in the first week every week then yeah we're talking about like game changing stuff for sifted but it's kind of worked out the way i thought better than i thought like i didn't think the first rush would be anywhere that big but as far as like the tail off uh yeah it's kind of where i expected it to be so i think that's it for this week's show Mm -hmm. we did we did get three hours well we didn't actually because we started a a little late but we almost hit three hours again in a show i never really dreamed that we would so as Matt said, we like to hear ourselves talk, and hopefully you guys like to hear us talk, too. So everybody have an awesome week. We'll be back again. We're back on this Wednesday train now, I think. Mm-hmm. Next week, we'll have a full seven days to pull uh, stories from. This week, we were a little bit short-shrifted, but I think we made the best of what we had. So yeah. everybody have an awesome evening. Thanks to everybody in Europe who stuck around us. Actually, thanks to everyone who stuck around the stream, but especially the people in Europe. It is late there. Uh, hopefully, it's early there. It's well, like early now. now. Yeah, it's now. like it's sunrise. <laughs> so. Have a cup of joe, and uh, yeah, hopefully you make it through the day okay. Thanks, everyone. Everyone have a great week. Game Face is up and out.